You're trying to do a Street thing. Wolf of Wall Street thing. Ah, you know, I was, I was, I was gonna go for it, but I kind of like half committed, and then I was like, ah, I'm not gonna do it. I mean, me too. Yeah, I haven't watched movies in so long, I can't even remember what they do. Uh, what do you do? They do the. He's like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, when he oh, sat down having yeah. breakfast with the guy, and he's <laughs> they're, like, they're, they're at the, the really fancy restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> coked out psychopath, just fucking <laughs> strumming to his chest because he gets paid a million a year. Anyway, welcome yeah. to Plat Chat Valor on episode 30. Yeah, Bren's been investing in GME and now he Three thinks he's a wolf. Oh, oh, I thought the tie in was that Avas, his, with his hair tie, he looks like a stock. Broker. He does look a bit <laughs> like I thought that hair. was going to be the tie This is the same hair I have every episode. It's the same hair. The hair hasn't changed. I don't know why we're, I don't know why we're now focused on the hair. The hair is the exact same. Not Doesn't, sure what's happened here. It, the it more impressive more part is that we started an hour earlier today to discuss the topics. No, and then we were still late to start the episode. <laughs> we were still late and we started an hour earlier. That's the impressive part. Yeah, me. that's. But no, let's talk about the hair. Let's talk that's about That's quite astounding. Anyway, Flatjack Valorant. What was I supposed to do? Oh, yeah. Fucking subscribe to our, to our channel. <laughs> so a lot of you that aren't subscribed still. We got some content coming up. Back chat with Sliggy's coming. Mm. Make sure you subscribe as well because you don't want to miss that one. When are we? When are we posting that one? That's on Wednesday. When are Cla- we recording it? The like in three hours. Today? Yeah, today. Incredible, isn't it? And we- we're doing. We're doing a lot today. We're doing a lot today. Yeah. And team <laughs> previews. Oh yeah, our Monday's packed full of plat chat. <laughs> Fucking hell. Okay. Well, uh, let's get on with it, I guess. Uh, first topic 100 Thieves, DSM, losing in the qualifiers. Mm, two yeah. upsets, two big qualifier upsets Woo. here for the, uh, for the Valorant uh, Challenger Tour, Valorant Champion Tour. Yeah. Valorant Champion Tour, VCT, but it's actually called Challengers for the first one that leads into the Masters, which will eventually lead into the Champions. Yeah, but there's no Masters the first time, so the Challengers just leads into the Challengers final. The Challengers 1 just leads into the cha- Challengers Well, Challengers right. 1 leads into Challengers, challengers two. 2. Challengers yeah. 2 leads into the Challengers final. But the Challengers 1 final that we just watched this weekend was just for seeding. It didn't lead into Challengers 2. That's next weekend <laughs> That's that leads into the Challengers relevant. If you watch that, you're never getting your time back. And what you and were you viewing to the didn't whole ultimately matter. The Challengers is way different than the other Challenger events. Oh, Oh, yeah. That we're gonna yeah. Be oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So what we're getting at is big upset. What the fuck are you doing, Riot, <laughs> with the format? <laughs> like it's it's I, all over the place. It, it's a little all over the place, but it's acceptable. It is. Ex- I, I'll tell you what. I mean, it's better than what we've had in the past. It definitely yeah, is. Way it definitely is what an improvement. In the past. It's slow improvements over time, which I'm a fan of. And, and yeah, ch- the challengers two and three qualifiers will be all important it'll be all the thing good. is though as well these were important games to, y- these yeah. were important yes like, the fact that 100 thieves and tsm lost they didn't lose some seeding game they no. lost to i mean you could argue tier two teams when it comes to the um the 100 thieves result obviously no, no, no. xset is a genuine tier two team but yeah, I, I mean like Xset's definitely not knocked like him Tier uh, three, tier four. Tier three. Go to the Carpe Noctem. I mean, I don't want to just be sitting there. They're not even get, like just railing on it. That, that is team, by but... far the most shocking loss is 100 Thieves. TSM, I could see because Xset's actually been on a tear recently. They've been yeah, looking they pretty have, good. Yeah. Like, I could see Xset, but Carpe Nocturne? I mean, what? you can look at, uh, I mean, they played Beast Coast, Dignitas, Built by Gamers, and Box Luminosity. They have not taken a map off any of them. Yeah. All the teams they have beaten are kind of. 
uh, and random. Then they got, got smoked by NRG. Yeah, 13-5, 13-2, I think, was the scoreline against I, NRG. I've actually, I, yeah, I actually watched this team play against Built by Gamers from their POV because one of their players was streaming that mm. match. And yeah, I mean, they're just, you know... they. They seem like a fine team, but they're just not at that level. Yeah, they're, right? I mean, yeah. they're they're a, they're a fine tier three burgeoning into tier two team. So you this know. is the biggest upset. It's not are, just... are you now ready to join my thought process? Okay, what is yours? That yeah. Nitro is an important, very important piece of this team. When when was, was anyone ever saying being downplayed? Who did we ever say the opposite to that? You've bro? all oh, been downplayed. You said Brain you said Nitro queen. was the most important. No, I said he was the most underrated. I think he's a pretty integral part of this team. I've always well, thought it. I think and every single player is an important... Well, actually, maybe you could argue that Dicey is the least, but every single player is an important part of T uh, 100 Thieves, I think. Yeah. Brent's sitting here vindicated. You what you sow. <laughs> okay. we, we haven't reaped anything. Find me a quote where I said Nitro was bad, not an integral part of the team was anything where I was underselling Nitro. I what don't I, believe what, I have. What I remember was you arguing that Nitro had one of the best 2020s. Was a top five player with a best I, I threw his name out there and immediately rescinded it. Mm, like a boomerang. Because pick. I realized he hasn't actually played a lot of right. 2020. But then I want, but I want, but I piggybacked off that conversation by saying that I think Nitro is pretty undervalued in 100 Thieves. When people talk 100 Thieves, they talk about Hiko to talk about Steel, they talk about Asuna. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and Nitro kind of just falls to the wayside in a lot of those discussions. But yeah. I, I've always thought that he's been pretty, pretty important for his team's yeah, growth is. and success. And I think this is a prime example. And he, uh, I mean, he provides a lot in terms of his calling that yeah. I imagine was lost in that game yeah. as well. But still, here's, okay, here's, here's the thing, right? This, uh, this individual data point of them losing this game doesn't, actually matter right now and there's not a lot to take from it because not only was it not streamed but it was one game where they didn't have yeah. nitro so we will either see in the future when there's more more points of data yeah. whether or not this was the beginning of a trend or if it is just this was just a one-off because they didn't have nitro and honestly um, because of the way that this format works where the challengers won series <laughs> the challengers won tournament feeds into challengers two so essentially yeah. if you finish top four you you skip the qualification process for challengers two which eventually then feeds into the challengers final which then can feed into masters a little bit complicated i know you might need a phd but uh <laughs> bear with me the uh in terms of this first tournament, it's not a huge deal. Like, they just essentially yeah. have to now go through the Challengers 2 yeah. format. Presumably, Nitro will be playing with them by that point. Yeah. I, I know some people were like, oh, you should just take the paternal leave off, right? But yeah. generally speaking, in esports and sports, you, you find that uh, yeah, people don't take breaks. Yeah, generally they, they speaking. Return to they're, they're just going to be jumping straight back into competition. And, and that's what they said, actually. I, 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 was it Hiko or was it Steel? I can't remember. One of their teammates said on stream that Nitro would be returning back very yeah. shortly back to competition after yeah. uh, the, his child was born. Um, and to me, when I look at this result as well, it's a little concerning, but I saw people being like genuinely worried and like, this is appalling. Even with Nitro, you should never be losing to this kind of team. It's it, those kind of things are reasonable, but it does, you can't extrapolate from this data point whatsoever. You, you just, you just can't, you just can't. 
There's no way of knowing if this is going to repeat itself at any point in the future. I, it's so different to any result that they've had at any point. It's not like there was right. downwards trend for 100 Thieves. They looked, if anything, like they were on the upwards trajectory. And yeah. then they've they've brought in a, a totally different player. They were splitting time with Silanx, right, in scrims. They yeah. were still scrimming with Nitro and the lead up to this as well. Nitro is their mid-round caller. From talking to their coach, Frost says that Steel sets up a lot of the plans. And he has veto power during the round. But it's mostly Nitro calling the mid-round decisions. Which... I mean, that's that's a big thing to lack. That's way more responsibility on Steel to then make those calls. And Silence is not going to be kind of integrated into the team as well. I do feel like there's some truth with both, though. I am both not concerned because it is just this one thing. A but, bold stance. A but bold also. stance. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that there is... The, but I do agree. This is not a team they should be losing to. I don't yeah, care who their fifth I mean, was. They're not on the they radar. They could have had me in the server, man. They should probably still be winning. It's, it's, yeah. it's a little... I think this is still not a good result. They still have Steel, Hiko, Dicey, and Asuna. Yeah. And people are, people are... I've definitely seen some people railing way too hard from that being all Silanx's fault, which is really foolish. Because mm. realistically, I think the other four players have more than enough skill to be beating a team like this in a BO3 as well. Yes, that's yeah. the other a part BO3. about this. That is... A BO3. Because at the same time as this match was... Well, not this one that we're showing. We can't show the 100 Thieves um, game against Carpe Noctem because it wasn't even streamed. Yeah. Uh, despite the fact that NSG is just using the, the labor of the masses as part of a caster challenge in order to broadcast <laughs> all of the games, which not going to get onto that today, but I would love to make a video about it at some point. But the, the, um, as their game against Campaign Octem was going on, Sentinels were playing against Serenity, I want to say, yeah. and they lost the first map there. And people in my chat were like, oh my God, 100 Thieves and Sentinels are going to go out right at the beginning. And then Sentinels pull it back because it's a BO3. And 100 right. Thieves don't. And they lost both like 13-11 or 13-10 or something. And it's, yeah, that is, it, it, it's concerning but not worrying to me. Yeah. Like not even taking a map, I think, is the biggest issue, yeah. right? If they had taken a map and then the score, because the score lines were close. The score lines were pretty close. Like it wasn't a blowout. But no. not even taking a map, especially on a map that they've been historically strong on, ha is concerning. With only yeah. being down one player out of their squad, you know that's yeah pretty, especially versus a team that has not even taken any series off of any tier two teams. That's the rough part here. Was, but was, whatever, right? Was this the result that spurred the uh, Valorant esports' random circle jerk that's well, been going around? It's all of these. There's that, a lot it, of stuff. It's, it's TSM yeah. losing. It's it's all of the yeah. the upsets from this. I mean, but but it, the TSM losing that shouldn't even be part of the conversation, in my opinion. That's like they lost to Exit, which is a team that's realistically working to like the tier one point five. Exit looking like a squad. Yeah, they're good. looking good. Like that's yeah. I feel they're like that's such a good. that's a useless data point. I feel in terms I, I of think, like this I think though that this is actually more relevant to the discussion generally speaking of like is Valorant more random at the pro level because what people are normally meaning is that all of the tier 2 teams just seem to take maps matches off each other all the time and it seems very hard to tell who's going to win on any given day and this is I think one of those kind of data points that fits like the Carpe Noctem beating 100 Thieves is so out there 
as a result that no one would have possibly expected and no one expects realistically to happen again that it doesn't i mean what are you bothering trying to draw patterns about the entirety of valorant from that game for right. mm -hmm. like that's nonsense but a, a result like this is somewhat interesting i think because I, it shows there there is volatility within the the scene like upset results can definitely happen to a higher degree than in cs i would say not that that's i mean i don't personally think that that's but a also thing. we're early into the game's life cycle right, right. i remember early, early in overwatch like there was definitely teams that were dominant like it stratified a bit but teams were just like good teams like tier one teams would just lose to to like a miso spoon and, and you know to randomly like you know like it would have like I, I think we're so early into the game's life cycle and we're bringing in so much also what's even more different from that situation is that like we're bringing in so many players from like CS that have such a strong fundamental background in tax shooters to begin with that like this overall skill level, I think early on to the game, obviously everyone's still evolving is just so much different than even other examples, right? Like there's such a wildly varying amount and like so much skill separated versus like condensed into singular teams at this point that I think that this should be kind of an expected result of where the because of how yeah. early the scene is right if two three years from now or something randomly tsm which has won the you know three masters events in a row or whatever right like they just won like three international events in a row and then they lose to billy bob and crew in some random online event and that's like in a bo5 that's a problem that would be an issue potentially and if that's something that happens often but i, I, mean, I don't think that's also early. that's also online events that's the other thing that people i think are not really factoring in here is that online csgo is also incredibly volatile yeah like it it's, has been it's, all year it, and and it has been since the dawn of cs like online yeah. online cs is nowhere near as um rigorous in terms of producing uh, results that are reliable than LAN events are. And we've never seen LAN in Valorant. I mean, we have for like the Brazilian yeah. first strike, but but, but... but yeah, that that is a great point because hypothetically, if you put TSM versus Xset on LAN right now, TSM, tenured team, all of the players have played on stages before in front of crowds versus Xset, Wifo has in Fortnite. And then I don't know, the other four guys are all, they're all younger upcoming kids. Like that, that there is a real yeah. difference there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think that this, I think that result with Exit, that is just representative of something that happens in every early esport, where eventually there are teams that are just grinding hard and they overcome a, a theoretically a better team or a team that has just been at the top longer. Exit are just one of the teams that have been busting their asses with the same roster for like five months almost now, yeah. four months. They've just been playing every tournament. They've been grinding hard. And then they made one roster swap to bring in BCJ, mm. who's just a, another really, really solid new player. And he's taken that team kind of over the top. And yeah. now I think that they're just in the top echelon. I, I also, I want to go back uh, to the game itself for a moment as well, to just analyze whether or not this is even a reasonable thing to extrapolate from. TSM's compositions were kind of wild in that game yeah, too this wasn't a tsm running comps that we know they're excellent at this isn't tsm fresh off the back of an incredible first strike result where they're running their triple duelist and then going straight into the next tournament this is them after a break trying something new losing to xset 2-1 we didn't get to see bind because it wasn't on broadcast at all yeah. icebox they crushed them 13-3 and tsm looked like easily the best team in north america on icebox from yeah. the limited amount that we've seen so far and then 
the final map. Uh, Kirk, can you pull it up again? I think it was split. It, it was split, and they were running. Uh, they're running the the uh, the sky. They ran a split. lot of sky, way more sky than we've ever seen from TSM, right? I think there's the yeah. most yeah. sky we've ever seen from them. It was yeah. definitely the most. And they they lost with it on bind, and then they lost thirteen five I mean, here the split as well. Game was mad. Look at the comeback. Just look at the round. Yeah, it was pretty insane. They, they yeah, up, like I said, I'm gonna be real with you. They, they were up nine three. Well, one of the big factors as well was BCJ at the at the end of the first half had like two kills or something. It was like one in yeah. one in ten and went to twenty seven. Yeah, 19. I mean, I mean, he he was especially at the. It all came at the very end as well. Once it was yeah. around like both teams in that ten to twelve. Yeah range he just started getting like 4k's every round but also tsm are running phoenix on split drone got almost zero value when it came to yeah. the attacking half even though he finishes with like a decent kd he he didn't do anything for the team on attack they didn't have a great plan of what they wanted to do on I, attack I, I, this wasn't yeah. like this wasn't tsm playing great and they just lost to some rng factor they they didn't look like they'd figured out split at all now maybe no. if we'd seen bind we might have a different opinion on on the the match itself, because bind is also another really important factor. They were running a different comp and they lost. What happened there? I don't know. We didn't get to see it. It wasn't on broadcast. But when you look at the two maps that we actually played, one TSM looked really good at, and one TSM didn't really have a plan, and it was a great comeback from Exit. I think that using this as a data point for like randomness is is not is not valid. Like no. it's, it's it's TSM's classic volatility. It, well, Exit yeah. were just uh, they were very unique on their defense as well. What they were doing, their defensive setups were not commonly seen. They they had a lot of original setups and tactics. The way they were like quad mollying onto. B. Oh yeah, we did. Viper was fantastic on the defense. Yeah, they yeah. they were pulling out some new things, things that they have been developing. Uh, it seems like because haven't seen other teams really doing it. It, it just um, and, yeah. it, and it caught them off guard. It felt uh, like TSM were uncomfortable to me watching this game with the composition they were playing, particularly with the Sage. Actually, I felt like they, uh, despite the fact that you would think that okay, I mean Sage and Split is almost synonymous. At least it was back in the day. Yeah, but it's coming back into favor a little bit more now. Uh, except we're just literally pulling out plays from Vision Strikers. There's a bunch of flash and dash plays, a lot of playing around the breach as well, comboing each other with the with the breach. And it was taking them off guard so often. Um, TSM have really never been that great at split as well. It's a map yeah. that they've they've occasionally figured out by running like triple duelist or having double smoke comps and stuff. But they've never had continued consistent success on this map. Which is why I say bind is maybe like the most important yeah. uh, map to really understand here. But it wasn't on the broadcast at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, at the same time, when you watch them play Icebox you immediately get the impression that TSM could still win a tournament if they just figure out some other parts of their mm -hmm. map pool. They're, they're constantly a team that changes things up. They're, cha they're not afraid to change their compositions around, experiment. They're not the kind of team that's like G2 where they previously ran the same comp all the time or Vision Strikers where they ran the same comp all the time and were dominant. And then they get upset and you're like, whoa, how the hell did that happen? TSM have lost in groups before to Dignitas. Yeah. TSM have been upset in, in big series before by uh, teams that are much lower than them. And they've lost to Exit Hero, got an up-and-coming team. I don't think it makes sense to use this as a data point for randomness in the game. Yeah. Even though it's a big upset. I mean, these are the two finalists from First Strike and they do go out in the qualifiers, so... It's it's big, but totally different reasons as to why they went out. Yeah, I mean, it just reached to me. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, Brendan, sorry. I, I mean, I was just going to close out the topic, but you can... I, yeah, I was going to make one last snide remark in that I've seen 
we've seen this happen before. Even Richard Lewis came out and was like, I remember when all the CS pros from 1.6 talked about how Source was such a dog shit game, you know, and like how it was yep. so much worse, right? Like it, it just happens all the time, right? And there's always going to be some justification, right? There's probably, there are valid points hidden in, in the, in the, the complaining. There are, it's like a, it's like a little kinder egg, you know? <laughs> and like, you know, underneath, <laughs> underneath all the, the chocolate of the bullshit, right? You open up, there's some nice little candies, some little candies of truth. But I do feel that like the majority is like, the reality is the game's not the same what you played before. It's different. Sometimes you've been in a position of like, you've been playing CS or something for like 10 years, right? And these other guys, these tier two guys or tier four guys, I'm actually just stealing Wyatt's point from before the show started, in fact. But that, that like sometimes they, uh, you lose you get you get doomed go off you get doomed by a 16 year old and you you're like 25 and you have an and you have an ira right and you're getting ready you know and like the whole thing (laughs) is that that it just happens it happens and that's the evolving nature of esports and games in general from title to title yeah i mean this is what we're talking about and like with all of us having obviously you guys more than me but i played overwatch at the beginning but yeah you uh, did a bit uh, but you know all of us involved in overwatch to some extent and we all came from tf2 we remember at the beginning of the Overwatch uh, scene, I remember the constant complaints of Overwatch being lower skilled. Where's the mechanical skill? You just press a button and your ability works. Yeah. Where's the rocket jumping and the sticky jumping? And then, well, surely all of the good TF2 players and Quake players will just come over because they have the best mechanical yeah. skill and they'll be the best. Yeah. Didn't happen. Rafrancula, yeah. Lucio Mains. <laughs> did, did not happen. Yeah. Um, and does anyone think that Overwatch is low skill still? Oh, low uh, skill I game mean, inst- wins to names for you. I mean, it's like I yeah. mean, CS players probably do, but I mean that's CS oh yeah, players, oh yeah. So. Steel was really good when he went over to Overwatch. <laughs> Anyone remember that? I mean, it, <laughs> he's a little bit better at Valorant. <laughs> so yeah. it's yeah, it's it's gonna it just happens with every new esports title. There's yeah. always the people who were a pro at another game, and they come over and they there's there's an expectation, <laughs> uh, but that's mentally. But that there's doesn't also pan out there's also um. That doesn't mean as well that every game is equivalent skill-wise, but most games have right. different skills that are um, that are required of you. Right. Like yeah. the the comparison between we Bren always makes this example where Valorant is like the League of Legends. Uh, sorry, Valorant to CS:GO is like League to Dota, mm-hmm. where the game has been simplified, but. I don't think anyone would argue that League of Legends does not have a high skill ceiling or you can't be mechanically good at League or something. Yeah, but but that's like... That's like CS players now. That's literally like the CS players now complaining. Like the Dota players, very insecure about their title. I know because I cast a Dota for two years and played Dota for three years. Like it's... They're very insecure about big League of Legends. It's an easier game. You know, my game's a superior title. It's the exact same parallels now to CS to Valorant. It's like yeah. the exact same. But but also, I mean, in League of Legends, there's a much larger player base that's trying to get incredibly good at the game. So, you know, if you... It, when we were playing TF2, for example, there's like a player base of 100 people. <laughs> it's, it's really yeah. small. So even though the skill ceiling in the game is potentially, you know, really high in order to become a pro, you don't actually have to be that good because there's not that many people playing as well. Mm-hmm. Whereas in League, everyone in their nans is trying to get good at that game. Yeah. So even if the skill ceiling's a little lower than it is in Dota, it's going to be way harder to actually get good at the game because mm-hmm. some people have like almost maximized out how good you could potentially even be. Yeah. And and 
the the tweet that we just had up by Richard Lewis, I think, is really interesting to contrast his response to Scream because Scream weighed in to say that he thinks with the tagging in this game, the way that you're slowed down, the slower movement in this game, it's easier to hit shots. But Richard Lewis is responding by saying that 1.6 pros used to say that CSS was an easier game because the tagging wasn't as severe. And like you can imagine from a 1.6 player, a 1.6 pro, where they're like, oh, you can just get away with so much in CSS. Yeah. Like you can just jiggle peak corners and there's no punish for it. You, you the you, It's so much easier to get information because you're just not punished when you get hit. Uh, there's There's different ways of thinking and framing about how the game works. Like in Valorant, okay, it might be easier to land the the shot if you get at the tag on someone at the moment but you have to think so much more about the utility that's coming your way and what you're going to do in certain yeah. positions it's it's very it's very strange to me that Sweet people want the game to be the same <laughs> yeah well they want it to be the same because there were some people were pros in the other game for like 20 years yeah and i mean the the look there is some part of this where it's there are players who were pros in other previous games for a very long time. And now when you're playing a new game, there are younger players from those games who didn't make it yet that are going to overtake you in this one. Mm. It's, that is the natural cycle. That is the cycle of life. I That's mean, how it dude, happens I mean, in esports. I also, I'm looking at that slash tweet, the second one. There's an argument to be made that League of Legends is mechanically harder than Dota because of the lack of turn speed, the faster button inputs... Like, mm. the, the more important ability usage. Like, I would argue the depth of Dota comes from the knowledge of matchups, the itemization, and, like, it, the, the amount of knowledge required to understand and pass the game. Whereas League of Legends, you can get away with just one, a, a very limited amount of knowledge, but your mechanics can carry you pretty significantly. Like, yeah. it's, I don't know. I, I Slash just, has made these tweets, but he has made them, I think the first one is what? What's his first one saying? Valorant. Top level of skill level is random. He's basically taken... Two examples, he's probably just seen on his Twitter feed on his timeline, 100 Thieves being upset and TSM being upset in the qualifiers, and he's made this point for clout. Like, yes, he, I mean, that's the classic that's Slasher, slasher play. does. That's all he yeah, does. Yeah. Slasher's it's literally like r slash gaming on a Twitter feed. When, <laughs> when, when you, you, this, oh, God. So, sorry, keep going. I don't want to... I was going to say, when you dissect both of the tweets, you, you really just pull them to pieces. And, uh, and the, the real crux of this as well is that it's a bunch of the fucking old head CS players crying because the game isn't CS. Yes, but it, it, yeah. that, is to, that is it to an extent. <laughs> that is it to an extent. Like, that Daps tweet, I'm sure he just, like, typed that and sent it and didn't really think about it. Because, can you put a, pull it up again, Kurt, so I don't misquote it, please? But, yeah, to say that they make it, hopefully they make it a lot harder to play and master. Like, do, do, do any of us or anyone really think that Valorant, in terms of the utility usage and team play, is even fucking close <laughs> to being mastered. It's really not. I mean, it's not. Have we seen anyone play Icebox in North America? I mean, well, it's just, it, it's just silly. Yeah. It, I, I want to so butt in here. Uh, he does say mechanically. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. And that the thing is as well though the I think there are some decent arguments to be made here. Like, yeah, I think it is easier to shoot than it is in CS. Like the. Being able to to hit people, they move slower around corners, etc. But the 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 RNG aspect is the big deal. Like to me, you don't have to make the game really hard mechanically for it to still be an incredibly good game. I mean, it's like 
Winston. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But also, I mean, can you imagine someone going over to play chess and being like, this game takes no mechanics. What the hell? Yeah. You know, you're, like like a, you're like LeBron James. You're like, this is so easy. Like, I don't have to dribble yeah. the ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I barely have to use any of my muscles to play this game. But the, the yeah, there are certain RNG aspects in the game, though, that I think are just nonsense at the moment. Like the, the running accuracy that they've said yeah. they're going to nerf. Your accuracy on ropes as well is is kind of bonkers and the yeah. whole the whole like they say the riot have said that they want rope accuracy to remain somewhat reasonable so that you're not just checkmated if you're in a position where you're in like stuck in the rope room in split where you can't go up the ropes because you can't challenge but it's like you have designed those maps with those flaws and your solution to the flaw is another flaw. So I can definitely see the arguments for those kind of things. I think Asana recently posted a, or there was a clip from Asana's stream where he was saying, garbage game, it's way too random because he's just running, a, he, he was in like a 1v2 clutch and he just got on a rope, sprayed one guy down and then, I don't know, jump you shot like, somebody you else. like three guys like on a rope. I yeah, mean, the, yeah. And yeah. Those, are, those are valid concerns. Like I think that that takes kind of away from the game. <laughs> yeah. but, but the overall... The overall, like, how the game works in terms of aiming and the speed of people shooting and stuff, it doesn't need to be incredibly difficult to, to master the aiming component for it still to be an incredibly good game. And, yeah, yeah even at that, I think still, in turn... <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, I think... Um, the, the idea that... Uh, even in terms of mechanics, that anyone has really mastered the game yet, I think is just yeah. very short-sighted. Asinine. I mean, Asinine. It, it's, it's, yeah, it is. Like, again, just comparing it to any other game, did anyone master the mechanics of Overwatch like a, eight months into the game in terms no. of the skill of shooting? I mean, come, I mean, get out of here, man. It's, it's just, it's very foolish. It's it's just not true. But even still, it's, it, the clip was on if, Reddit. The uh, the other one. Even if it's okay, even if it's true, like there, there's a semblance of truth to the idea that the game is easier, like in terms of its entry as a mechanical, the mechanical side of the game. There's why does that mean you have to get insecure about the state of the game as well? Like yeah. I know that's not necessarily what these players are complaining about. Like they're not really like, oh, I'm playing a worse game, but. Uh, there's, it's still a good esports title because of the depth that the, the utilities provide. Yeah, right? I think in terms of the strategy is. and the and the depth that the game has available to it. Like there's there's no real game like it. I mean, I would argue of my limited knowledge of Rainbow Six, that might be the closest to it, right? In terms of just sure. how everything interacts with each other, the different characters, the different utility in that game. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a game with an incredible amount of depth, and that's where you're going to start to see the, the actual skill level appear like okay sure you know we, we have some mechanical outliers every now and then this is the clip here where Suna's just like essentially killing people on the ropes and at the end he's like garbage yeah game, i mean you know? he was moving at the end there and he i think he hit a single bullet to kill that person because they were low hp but I, I can understand clips like that saying that that is like if that decides a round in a in a match that yeah. that feels like you shouldn't have been rewarded for that sure. play right but but i don't think that I don't think you can extrapolate situations like that to this is why tier two Valorant is so volatile. It's volatile because it's an early scene. Yeah. And, and you look at other counter examples, 
G2's incredible dominance in Europe. The other uh, European teams that have been able to stay at the top the entire time. Um, the the like summon and heretics win streak and dominance over tier two and then Im immediately becoming top European teams. The fact that Vision Strikers are on a forty five match win streak. I mean, if Valorant was actually a random game, I mean it's forty nine now. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, they just played some uh, some of their uh, qualifier matches for uh, VCT. But the, if Valorant was truly a random game in the online era, there's there's just no way that people would be able to put up these kind of these kind of yeah. results, it, it doesn't make sense. It also bothers me that these complaints are mostly coming from North America, the region that plays the most puggy style of Valorant mm -hmm. possible. They're actually so often playing into the RNG aspects of the game, where they are playing Rainer on every map, yeah. and it's Feast or Famine, yeah. and they're playing fucking, they're planting and spamming through smokes in the post-plant on yeah. Haven, all yeah. barreling down sea long. And it's like, of course the game's going to be random. When you play it randomly, <laughs> you're not playing for consistency. You haven't got a tactical base. You're playing a puggy style. Like, yeah. you, it would be random if you played this style in CS as well. Yeah. You guys ready to move on? Because no. there's a great two teams to just really move on from this topic. Oh, we're talking God. randomness. We're talking puggy styles. Do yourself a favor. Don't watch the phase LG game if you haven't seen it. <laughs> because <laughs> we're about to discuss it. I watched it yesterday. I, I think you have, yeah. you, have the, you have it backwards on the topic. LG beat phase. Yeah. Or am I, uh, well, that just, yeah, just shows LG how random Valorant is. Look how random Valorant <laughs> there continues you go, to you know, be, it, even in the title cards. Oh, God. Just peering into the, the alternate universe where FaZe did beat LG, you know, 50-50 yeah. coin this, flip. This uh, spurred, we, we were watching this game on your stream with Mike, and yeah. this, this game <laughs> spurred quite a discussion in terms of FaZe and, and where they're at, because it's been a while now. with this. They have been roster. strategically stagnant for the longest time. But individually well, improving. Yes. Yeah. I would say. Which is I mean, the, mechanically, they've been keeping up, sure, but the, that's not, where the, that's not but, where the difference in these top teams is going to come from. No, I agree, but, but it's not just the mechanics. Like, people like Zachary got way better at his, like, understanding yeah, of the game actually, and how to play Cypher yeah. and stuff, and Baby Bay really worked on his consistency, so now he's really putting up numbers in basically every game that he plays. But they are just... I mean, you want to epitomize kind of RNG-style Valorant. It's how FaZe plays. It's so... So aggro at all times, but you're just over pushing to the point where it's it's just whether you win your duels. Yeah, I mean, this team has three guys who all want to be the playmaker every single round. They never sync up utility. That's you can, insane. Actually, you can you can tell Dude. you can tell at the beginning of a round. This round, Corey just says, oh, "I'm just going to go for a play down mid," and he just walks down mid alone and just tries to find a kill. And then Marv does it the next round. And then Baby Bay says, oh, I just want to walk up into A with my op. And he just walks in, no utility, just contact in with the op. They don't combo anything. Op. No, they don't combo, they don't combo anything. There's no utility combos. Um, and then, you know, Zachary's kind of off on his lurk. And Raucus at the end of every round is like, what the fuck, I'm alone again. No one before me. Is this surprising to us, though? I feel like this, I feel like we are just back. I, I feel crazy. It feels like I'm in, like, Memento or some Christopher Nolan film where every day I wake up and there's a new, like, sticky note waiting for me to tell me. And it's just like, FaZe didn't use utility properly. FaZe didn't use utility properly. And then I'm just like, but I feel like I've seen this all before. Like, I honestly feel like we've had this conversation, like, so I, many times. I know, this is. But we're back here again. Uh, 
this is what's so frustrating about phase and you put it best at the you said like they're so good how what did you yeah. say i i can't remember exactly what i was saying on stream but it was basically like they are a dreadful team that wins yeah and they they're like the they're the they're the worst winning team I've ever seen. You watch them and you're like, these guys should be losing. And yet they beat very good teams. And with some level, okay, it's not consistent against certain opponents, but when you add it up over time, they get wins against some people. They go like 50-50 with a lot of good tier two and sometimes tier one teams as well. You could have made an argument that they were the sixth best team coming out of first strike, which is wild when they have so many inadequacies. You look like across the board and they are lacking in so many areas. And yet they're having so much success. How yeah. are they how are they so successful when they have so many flaws? And it just it kills me because that stinks of a team that has mad potential to become incredible. Yeah. If only they would work, or maybe if only they could work on their clear issues. And the issues are so clear and so obvious. They slap you in the face every time you watch FaZe. And you feel like they should be getting bodied. And they're not. They're having really close games like this one against an LG. Well, okay, split was close. Not split. But the first two I maps mean, were really close against a team that just won against Sentinels and won a tournament. Yeah. And I mean, LG have their own issues, I think. But sure. They, they play to the level of their opponents they're playing against. I always think that you get better games out of LG when they play tier one teams. But yeah, also, these two teams, sure. I think they have similar play styles as well and how they like to play. Fucking I, zug zug brute force aim jewels almost. <laughs> I think LG are a little more coordinated with like how they sync up off each other. Yeah, they, no, they, absolutely. They, they support yeah, they each other yeah. more. Yeah. yeah, but I was fucking molding watching this game and just saying for once, just please, somebody on phase, ask the question: How am I going to combo this piece of utility? What value am I going to get out of this piece of utility or this ultimate? How am I going to how am I going to maximize my my what I get out of it because the amount of fucking Hunter's Furies I see Raucus just int into the wind and nobody's taking space off the back of it he's yeah. not getting kills he's not clearing common, ang common angles they just use each ability in their own little island from their own point of view yeah. like that's how they play the game they don't think about the game as a team game they think about the game as a 1v1v1v1v1 it's, yeah it's like watching a ranked team play where there's very little coordination between the players and this is what bothers me so much is that they have so much success for a bad team. Yeah. Yeah. And Imagine if, if they fucking just started syncing up like some simple plays. Yeah. Some and, simple plays. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is that you can see... The thing is as well, though, I think this is the kind of team that would um, maybe get worse the more they tried to sync things up mm. because they thrive in the in the chaos of taking individual aim jewels. Like, that's where they actually find their success. But does that inherently build a paradox that this team can thus never be good? Yes, yeah, and I think that case. is true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. yeah, that might be true. Because we, I mean, since the dawn of this team, there has been discussion as to whether or not it should get nuked because it's been mm -hmm. so visibly bad at times. Mm. Um, yet, you know, at, at one point, I mean, at the beginning, they, had, they didn't have success and they didn't have team play. Now they have success and no team play. Yeah. And they've, they've certainly, yeah, I, they made strides individually. And when you're watching a team and you're watching the individuals improve considerably and the results improve along with it, you're not thinking time to, you know, press the, uh, press the nuke button. Yeah. Because... You're watching them improve. Yeah. But it's, it's 
it's gotten to a point where how much how how much more are the improvements individually going to affect in game because it's getting to the point where that type of thing is marginal where the real skill the real uh success will always come from team play mm -hmm. better strategy better preparation better communication understanding of the opponents there is a point where in every game your individual skill is marginal the improvements you're making are fractions of percentage improvements at a point but what you can do as a team those areas you can improve outside of that are always i feel far greater and they've just not done anything in that respect so what is the solution do they need a coach will a coach even help this team will they listen to a coach because it does i mean at least you by their play style it leads you to believe their personality types are just they're all just doing their own thing. They're, mm -hmm. they're not listening to anyone. There's no... Yeah. There, there's... I, I, I talked about this a little bit on my stream as well, where I was... I, my original thought was, these guys have all come from Overwatch. Overwatch League in general has the culture of you do what your coach says. There's pretty strong coaches. These guys would know how to operate within a coaching structure. But when you actually look at the individual players and go down the list, none of them have ever played with a coach that was any good. And apart from Baby Bay, who spent one stage playing under Krusty, who's an incredibly good coach. But I don't think he really was part of a system that was functional. Yeah. Other than that, you have Corey, who played for the Justice, an incredibly poorly coached and uncoordinated team that relied on individual talent to, to succeed. You have uh, Raucus, a team that was just, as far as I could tell, purely player run and really kind of fucked up as a result of that as well. Um, you've got... Uh, Zachary, who played for the Dallas Fuel, again, another team that always had issues with coaching, and he himself was a product of, or like his his uh, apparent failures on Dallas were a product of some of the poor coaching that was there. And then Marv, who I don't really know, you know, about. Yeah, but, I, I don't think he ever played under a coach. Yeah, I but mean, it's Marv not, is so young that he's, this is like his first real game. Yeah, so. but it's not the same as a Sinatra, for example, where you know that the guy understands the value of good coaching and would respect that and and have an appreciation for how much that can make a difference a lot of these guys kind of missed the wave on i, I will good say coaching though, i don't, phenomenon I don't think that makes Overwatch. them broken they can still be coached i'm i would i want to see them have some discipline instilled into this team yeah i want to see how far they can go i'm not going to write them off and say that they're they are they're too they're too used to not having any sort of structure and being player run mm. for it to not be successful I don't yeah. think that's a fair claim. Despite the fact that they have missed the boat, they missed the wave, like you, like you were about to say before I rudely interrupted you in the middle of your point. But yeah, the, uh, I, I want to see them with a coach. I want to see them, yeah. how far they can go. Because this team has potential, I think as we've been that, saying. I think because they've worked with such poor coaches in the past, they're probably not incentivized to give them the time of day most of the time. I, I, that might be an unfair assumption to these guys. Mate, I'd come in there. Bananas and and I <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that I actually think that is kind of an unfair assumption because I think at least in Zach's case, Zach was sort of like, even though the you could argue that the results were mixed, like Zach was essentially the like gr grown in the test tube son of Arrow. Not that Zach himself was grown in a test tube, but more the fact that he was his protege in a, in a sense. So like he was someone that had been with Arrow for a long time. I feel like he did take Arrow's advice seriously for coaching, and Baby Bay had worked with coaches before. I really do think. And Marv is so young that 
he doesn't know like his his asshole from a hole in the ground type of thing. Like, that, Marv, you could go, you could tell like you could you could get a coach on Marv and he would develop, right? Like I, I think it's unfair to write off these guys. Like the only one you could maybe argue would ever be a lost cause is like Rockus, but that's just because if you know who how Rockus is, like you know you know his personality type. But like even still, I think this team can be turned around if they do get it. But I really think we're in a, like a Cinderella conundrum then because we're all trying to find the glass slipper. Yeah. to fix this team exactly that yeah versus yeah. like just I, perhaps we need to s- scatter them to the four corners and just have them find <laughs> new rosters if they because if they did get scattered to the four corners i think every single one of these players could be successful on other teams yeah. i mean i might have doubts about one or two of them but i think the the vast majority of the phase roster if they were just a single playmaker on another team yeah. would be successful at the tier 1.5 or tier 1 level but together, it, it it seems like it's a monumental task for a coach to, really to turn does. this team around. And yet there's so much potential if you do that. Yeah, it is a mega task. But yeah, if you, yeah, if you could do it, I think you would have a, a, a very successful team. And I think the thing is, they need to find someone who's going to try. Because I don't think, I think that this team has essentially apexed. Mm. with what they're doing right now with what they're bringing to the server right now they have apexed and they're not going like the only way for them to improve and ever win tournaments from this point is to have a coach and find the strategic depth for the team and it's going to be very hard to do and it might not ever be possible and then at that point i think it has to be blown up because right now yeah they're good enough to maybe they can make some quarterfinals I don't think with the rate of other teams improving, like when you look at Exet, a team with talented players, but also a team that is tactically deep or mm. teams like Anbox, how yeah, they've been improving uh, yeah. that are tactically deep and have really good players. Yeah. Immortals as well. I mean, they're, all they're of gonna, these They're going to get past. Yeah. They are going to get past because the other teams are improving so much faster than them at this point. Yeah. Um, that I think that they need to try something with a coach or else they are going to just slowly slip yeah. further and further and it'll have to be blown up anyway. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they said, or Shinobi said or something, that they were working with Shinobi for the previous mm-hmm. tournament. Um, so, yeah. But I, I don't think, I don't know whether that's a long-term thing. I think, I, I think uh, Shinobi I, I is probably working with a bunch of different teams right now by, yeah. the, uh, by the smell of it around the scene. So I don't know whether that was a good fit at the end of the day. But they need... I think they do need somebody, yeah, to yep. push them into that next tier. We'll see. The, the rewards are great if you can pull it off. Yeah. We shall see. Yeah. LG on the other side of it, though, I was reasonably impressed, but they didn't look as clean as when they won the previous tournament. No, they didn't. That's why I was saying I think they played to the love of their opponents, but yeah. they... I mean, I, you can see the the potential of a team like LG. Like, they're, they're pure... We've said this last time, but they're pure fundamentals in terms of how they space, how they trade, how they swing with each other, how they play off of each other's just positioning is, like, much better than, yeah. than FaZe and then a lot of the other Tier 2 teams. Like, you can see them just on the rise, just barely breaking into the cusp of Tier 1. Uh, there's a lot of potential this this LG yeah. squad. Yeah, they look pretty decent. Yeah. What's, right. uh, what's the next who, topic? Who's next on the bracket? Okay. Oh, we're still going down the bracket. Right? We are, yeah. We're still going down. So uh, this is uh, Immortals knocking mm-hmm. out C9. Apparently they qualified number one in the seeding tournament. Yes. Yeah, they did. Okay. I didn't watch the seeding. I saw the final of it, uh, and I have to say it was Immortals look 
it, it, legitimately, these additions, nature and chemicals, feels like exactly what they needed. Mm. Like it literally, but also this was a seeding tournament, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, we're I, not we're online. We're not playing for big stakes. I, I do think seeding is very important, though, moving forward, especially getting number one. Like it's going to give them such a huge like cushion moving forward. How important is it though if other teams don't take it seriously? Well, who even finished eighth seed? I don't even. Well, know. I mean, I, I think it's pretty question. unfair to, to argue that teams aren't taking it seriously. I, I mean, think it's just a difference of opinion to say a, like more a how lot of, seriously. A lot of the pros I've spoken to have said that with seeding games, they just from the future onwards, they just are not going to be taking it seriously. Yeah, and like I saw they, a lot of people tweeting like about to play my Bo five yeah. for seeding and stuff. It's hard to know which teams were giving it their I, all i'm not I saying guess. all of them were i guarantee there's some yeah. teams here that were taking it seriously yeah i mean immortals for sure one of them yeah. i would say like envy or another team that seemed like they always take those games yeah very and i think that's seriously. more frustration over the format more so than like they stop trying right i think it'd be very sure. plausible that they're frustrated they come in they play seriously then they start losing like fuck it i'm, I'm giving up right that's yeah. a super player thing to do players yeah. do that shit all the time but I think it's unfair to categorize it immediately as everyone is not taking it seriously. Yeah. It's more of like uh, but, but, the frustration but, of it will build. And because might, it is a seeding uh, tournament, if inherently if like half the teams don't take it as seriously and are not, they're going to be getting lower seeding and they're going to be uh, almost like undervalued as a team coming into the actual tournament, then doesn't that just kind of throw at the, the entire concept? Yeah, because I, then the, yeah. the value of getting yeah. number one seed is lessened. I, I would, yeah, I mean, I would personally say that you shouldn't consider Immortals the favorite for next weekend, even though they won in fairly convincing fashion this weekend. Yeah. Right? And yeah, like, I would agree is, with that. That is, I think... Oh, yeah, that, that, that's fair. That's yeah, fair. I, and also, they, I, I assume that with the number one seed, they get to pick from the fifth through eighth seeding. So they get to pick from, like, Xset, LG, and Box. I mean, there's value there. Somebody else. And Gen G, yeah. There's, there's definitely value there. Um, but I, could I still see them, like... You know, only making the semis or something. Yeah, I think the. I don't think that you can use this weekend's results to say you know exactly what's going to happen next weekend. No. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, but I will say though, chemicals in nature look good. Yeah, yeah, they look. Oh, yeah. They yeah. actually are the additions yeah. that this team need, especially chemicals. I think Neptune was fine, but I mean, you know, we discussed how we felt like his utility and like the way he played Cipher and anchored sites was a little bit unchanging. And nature, I, I definitely was a lot more dynamic in that respect. But chemicals finally getting a jet player and a duelist that is putting up frags like all the time yeah. and is actually getting the entries and just getting kills they need in like some clutch situations really feels like this team they just looked so much better. Looked yeah. so much better. Yeah. They, yeah, they 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 really did. Those are two great additions. I mean now this I think this is another roster where at least so far, and we have to give it some more time to really see, but at least so far, it looks like this could be one of those rosters where there's just no weak link in terms of any element of individual play, really. Um, like the, the fragging output and mm. uh, effective utility usage. They're pretty great across the board. Yeah. And I think it was nice seeing, you were seeing more output from Stani as well. Um, now that he's no longer in the in-game leading role. Yeah, yeah. it, it looked like he was having he was having more uh, high impact fragging moments throughout yeah. the the games. Um, but yeah, I mean they they were impressive. And yeah, at the end of the day, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a seeding tournament, and then you're seeding into a, a double a limb bracket as well. Exactly. It's so not it doesn't even, even matter that much. Single limb. So like, you know, it's uh, yeah. It's, I will appreciate um as much as I was shit talking Riot earlier for the general format of Challenger One. <laughs> yep. Not really having too much of a semblance of 
I guess, impact on the wider circuit that they've created this year, it is very thorough. Oh, yeah. It, it is incredibly is. thorough in yeah. terms of determining, like, when we get to the end of the year, you're going to know who the best teams are. Yeah. yeah. Like, absolutely, yeah. who are going to be involved just absolutely. on the basis of, like, how many fucking games there are to be played yeah. and, like, just to decide even seemingly meaningless things like the seeding in these double limb tournaments. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the seeding is only for the uh, Challenger 1 qualifier. So exactly, once, yeah. yeah. Once you get to the Challenger 2 qualifier, there's already going to be four teams that are in it, so mm -hmm. then you're just playing down to four. Yeah. Um, Which is why it's so not on, so. like the earlier points we were making, like 100 views and TSM not making it in. Yeah. It's not a huge deal. Um, yeah. Also, NSG tweeted about, uh, they actually tweeted a really funny uh, tweet about the seeding tournament, um, like changing it for next time as well. It was um, a SpongeBob meme of them of someone being force-fed BO5 seeding matches, <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "Okay, guys, we hear you, we hear you." <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I don't know whether they ever intended to run those for future tournaments, but it seems like they they kind of understand that the entire scene is not a huge fan of them. I am really excited for this Immortals roster, though. Uh, everybody that I saw on the timeline, I wasn't really watching these games. I was catching up on VODs of the European games that we'll talk about later on. But the, everyone that I saw on the on my Twitter timeline was talking about how incredible Packington and Gumber are again for being able to find these talents. Once again, another roster just pounding for Immortals yeah. and immediately coming out the gates looking like a top contender. Uh, they do... The only thing that I'm sl slightly concerned about Packington also tweeted something like, um, can we stop calling it an upset that Immortals are winning now or something like that? I was like, hold your horses there, mate. Because they looked, they looked really good as soon as they signed Shot Up and JMO previously. They yeah. had that honeymoon um, period where, did they win the tournament or did they come second? They came in it was, second to Anbar. Right, second, second to Anbar. Yeah, and, and it was really close. And yeah. Shot Up looked like a beast. Yeah. And then Shot Up hasn't really gone to that degree since then. And okay, they were a little bit quiet. They didn't appear in some of the other regular tournaments while they were figuring out their roster. But this seems like a return to form. But you need to see it consistently over a larger period of time yeah, before exactly. you can rate them as like an elite tier one team. Exactly. I think, yeah, this, much like every Immortals roster, I will say again, I think that this team should have aspirations and likely be somewhere within the top eight. That is kind of where Immortals have always been. I think that's where they're going to be again. I think this roster has potential to maybe uh, make it even a, a little bit. I'd like to see them that. top five. Yeah, like I think they have. I think they could. Again, at least from what we've seen so far, it looks like they could be making a claim for a top five spot in NA. One of the crucial things for me as well with this tournament, it's not just the new additions. Shot up was playing his best tournament since that first tournament. Right. Uh, yeah. He was really playing well. But I am concerned with the fact that all of his good games are always him playing Reyna, and he plays Reyna all the time. Um, I mean, he essentially plays Reyna all the time. He plays a little bit of Phoenix, but I do have some concern with that because I still just, I do not believe in the value of Reyna in a long-term mm -hmm. BO5 against a, a, you know, I was having a long discussion team, but. with my chat yesterday regarding mm -hmm. this topic of Reyna. It comes up a lot, doesn't it? Like the it idea does. of Reyna over, yeah. over Duelist. I mean, the general approach is if you look at it on paper... I'll be right back. Of course, sir. <laughs> the general I've approach heard is... this one before. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he knows he can leave this conversation. He's heard it all. The, uh, the general approach 
to this conversation topic is that Rayner on paper does not provide as much utility as other duelists, yeah. as other agents like, I don't know, for example, Rays, Phoenix, something something else, anything that can, you know, be used Literally to set up your anything. team, take map control. Um, but uh, at this early point of the game's cycle, where we've been highlighting the importance of proper utility usage, the strategy that's evolved around that, like the kind of strategy and set plays, at this point in the game's life cycle, like there's still, I guess, teams that are relying on like individual mechanical ability, like one player to be comfortable and mm -hmm. pop off. And that's what it comes down to. When you see these players playing Rainer, it's literally probably a case of them being like, oh, I want to play Rainer. I feel like I'm really going to perform well on Rainer today. Like a, yeah. a, a feeling, like a personal feeling, despite the fact that it, on paper, like if you look at it, you are getting probably less value uh, out of Rainer comparatively to, to other agents. Uh, and that's what it comes down to. But I think over time, you're going to see less Rainer being played overall. Yeah, I agree with that. I have, I mean, I was so hardcore against the Rainer like three months ago, maybe. I mean, maybe it's been even more than that, maybe like five months of just railing against Rainer usage. And recently I've been coming around to the idea. Oh, God. Why? The, oh, uh, the reason being... Oh, you've been, coming, you've been coming around to the idea of Reyna? I'm back, by the way. Have you been coming <laughs> back? Have you been coming around to it? A, a tiny bit. A tiny bit. And not on all maps, but some, some value, I think, that... Um, because I've been coming from the point of view of, like, utility usage so much, I think it's something that I've been personally overlooking when it comes to the Reyna is how annoying it is to play against one. Like, you have to use utility to clear out all the dumb one-and-done angles. Whereas if you're playing against a team that's playing, like, a, a Raze and a Jet, or, or even better, like a Raze and a Phoenix, some, mm -hmm. you know, when nobody can be playing a one-and-done angle because you just get traded out. But if you're playing against a Rainer, and I've been especially noticing this on Icebox, where I feel like Rainer's actually maybe even a meta pick yeah, on Icebox. On them, huh? if, you, if you're playing, like, the A defensive site on Icebox, you could be anywhere. You can be anywhere, and you can get value anywhere you play. If you're, but playing... also you also get so much information. I feel at yeah. times if you if you when you're just able to just like get a kill, play off the orb, the information you can get from a free peek is pretty good, especially on Icebox. And, and it's not just a free peek. You you can play with way more confidence when you're on Rainer because you have that get out of jail free card to stop you being traded. Uh, if you're confident in your aim, you can push and get value and and by that i mean stuff like um if you want to so let's say we're even playing bind somewhere where no one would play the rainer or, or at least the top teams don't tend to if you're pushing out of hookah and you uh, you feel confident to push all the way to market because even if you run into their entire team if you get a kill you can dismiss and get out and it gives you that option to disengage mm -hmm. so you can do things that you wouldn't feel comfortable doing on other agents and it's not like it's not utility you're providing to the team it's your positioning can be different when you're playing Reyna which I think is the value of it and I it's something that I wasn't really thinking too much about previously and I still don't think it's good on every map but I think it it actually the thing that I noticed as well is heretics for example with Nisa running it on split where Nisa will just push down mid quietly on defense in a lot of the rounds and if there's somebody holding market or if there's somebody holding sewers, he's getting all of that information down mid and it turns into a 1v1 duel. And if he wins it, you can't punish him. And if he loses it, well, that's 
at least he had the confidence to be able to go for it and push it, which he wouldn't have done if he was playing anything else. So he's like gathering information and often it's going to be for free because then it's uh, at the end of it, you have a 50-50 duel. My, okay. I'm going to play devil's advocate here. I, my issue with it is that if you accept that as the game's lifespan goes on, that the mechanical kind of like differences between teams, like the, the, the raw aim, things like that, is just going to level out over time between teams. There's going to be outliers, sure. There's going to be like players who are exceptional in those roles, but the real difference in skill level is going to come from utility, strategy, those type of things. Mm -hmm. Rain is just not a good pick. Uh, and like those kind of like cutesy little plays, yeah, you can play these more unorthodox positions and yeah, you force the enemy to then I guess, commit utility and, and, and like a thought process to play against the Reiner instead that mm. might throw people off. And yeah, it might be a more comfortable role. I just don't think that's the case. I mean, there's a couple of reasons why as well. I just think overall her entire kit is so feast or famine. And I think as the game develops as well, one of the things that I really hate at the moment is how teams think about alt usage in Valorant. Mm. I don't think they've reached the point where they're, they're particularly good with it. Uh, you see teams where they... There'll be times where I want to see them use an ultimate because... They'll gain a ton of momentum off the back of it. Or um, I, I, a lot of teams just don't really think about, I think, ultimates that well at the moment in terms of how they can use them in a round to maybe win a round, snowball it even further. But like the sooner you're using ultimates, the sooner you're building them back up again. There's some cases where teams are, are holding on to specific ultimates to counter other ones and there's the, the mind games of that aspect. But Rainer, like her ultimate is just fucking useless. You've essentially locked out one agent i mean not entirely useless but in terms of the impact yeah, you can get out of empress it's way less compared to something like a phoenix or rays it's arguably the worst alt in the game it is yeah. arguably the worst alt in the game and and this is it's just one small minor aspect that's added on top of why i already don't like reyna as yeah. an agent and i think it's going to get worse as time goes on as well yeah. uh, it's it's something that i, I don't just... think you can even make an argument for what ult is worse than empress i don't think there is any other arguments <laughs> yeah, other than empress no, it is definitely the worst yeah yeah i, I, yeah, I mean I think right now, Reyna is actually like, I think that Reyna is the meta pick on Icebox. I think that Reyna as your a site anchor is just the best agent to have there right now. Because um, of the map design though, right? Yes. Just yes. The yeah. I think the map, yeah, because it's so easy to yeah. always find one as yeah. the A anchor and then you can dismiss. Um, I think Reyna is super powerful as an A anchor on Icebox, but outside of that, I just don't think she gives enough value long-term on the other maps. Like if you were if you were playing out a series, if you were to somehow quantify the value of utility you get over playing a full BO5 on the four other maps mm. of the utility that you were getting from Arena versus yeah, if you have a raise, if you have a jet, etc., it's just it doesn't yeah. compare. It doesn't compare over the long term. Also, I do wonder one thing I wanted to to, to pose is with this with Reyna being an agent that is so focused on your individual confidence as well. Yeah. And this being like a seeding tournament and yes. seeing a shot up, like just, you know, rip these teams on Reyna. I do wonder if there is a, an element of that that comes from in the back of his head, that subconscious knowledge that this doesn't really matter that much. So we might as well go for it. And then you, you get that one, you, you, you knock down the first domino and then it just <laughs> keeps fucking going. Um, I think that that is honestly pretty possible. Because this yeah. is the this is these are the type of circumstances that could just breed a Reina pop off game. Yeah, 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 and and it it is going to be more inconsistent, generally speaking. Um, but the yeah, I think we haven't really talked about Cloud Nine at all during the, the all of this. I mean, what is there to say? I mean, they, we didn't see him. 
Uh, no, we didn't see them. They they made some uh, organizational changes recently as well, though. They they brought over the head coach from Cloud9 Korea mm -hmm. to be the coach of the Cloud9 Blue team. And they also brought over Robin, who people will know from Overwatch because he used to be the GM of the London Spitfire team. Mm. And uh, he's now the GM of that Cloud9 team as well. So it's uh, going to be interesting to see them. They failed to qualify as well. It's been a bit of a... Uh, a, a fairly significant drop-off. I suppose you could say they're a bit unlucky to hit Immortals in the seeding match, but the, that's a team that you should be trying to beat if you're aiming to get back to where Cloud9 were previously. Yeah, so, absolutely. I just wanted to hit on that a tiny little bit. That is a yeah. small moment. That, that is interesting, though, bringing the coach from C9 Korea. I mean, yeah. I guess Who the... was the coach from C9 Korea again? Because I know it wasn't... Um, because I know at one point they had uh, Pavane, right? Pavane, but he had yeah, they moved did. on, right? No, yeah, he'd already, he, he'd already a, left that team. He's on Bear Claw Gaming. Yeah. I actually can't yeah, remember right. the name of the coach. Uh, they announced it in the, their video, and I think mm. you could find it on like VLR or Liquipedia, but I can't remember I the name of the coach. I mean, you, yeah, you, you, you would hope this is going to bring a new tactical look to that Cloud9 team, and maybe that is their advantage moving Autumn. forward. It's autumn, autumn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right? So maybe maybe that is going to be their advantage moving forward. If when you think back about the the last looks we saw of seen on Korea with the Viper wackiness and just where they were trying to yeah. uh, take their own game, adapt like bringing that to the NA team could certainly uh, yeah just mm. be their advantage over the other teams that are just running around uh, playing pugs. <laughs> so yeah. that could work out. But. Yeah, I can't really see C nine reaching the top level or like the the, the kind of level that they reached previously with the current iteration of the team. No, I think uh, there's other teams that look like they're more on the come up. Yeah. Um, and I actually think as well that the whole randomness debate is interestingly timed right now because it seems like we're in the middle of a restructuring of the top NA scene at the beginning of 2021. There's been a bunch of roster changes. There have been people that have really tried to solidify their roster. And now is the beginning of the big push for these tier two teams to become tier 1.5, tier one teams. Mm -hmm. And your previous, I mean, Sentinels look shaky. 100 Thieves just lost. TSM got knocked out. And all of these other teams are on the come up. T1 have changed their setup completely. Yeah. Uh, but these other teams that are on the come up, seems like... Envy are on the rebound. NRG are finally looking like a tier 1.5 team for real. Luminosity just won a tournament. Exit have been on a tear in tier 2. Anbox look really tactically sound and they're, yeah. they're getting their shit together. Immortals have got cracked out players at every position. The, the scene is in flux right now. You couldn't accurately give a top 10 power ranking, I think, currently. No. You have to wait for the chips to fall. And um, that is, yeah, they... they we don't really know like who the best teams are, right? Uh, even straight after first strike. Yeah, your point there just made me want to give more credit actually to TSM, despite losing, for them always attempting to change. They're sure. always attempting to to do something new, which I is uh, something to respect. I think they're not just yeah know, resting on on what they've built. They're they're trying to push themselves forward. Uh, when you kind of compare that to sentinels for example where they were yeah where they've been uh, kind of stuck they have been in, stagnant in, for in a while stasis yeah yeah um they did make it through they lost to immortals in the seeding match i forget who they had to play in the Anbox. oh right Wait. yeah sentinels had to play against Anbox. no i mean in the round to qualify for oh, the top eight to qualify yeah i forget who they had to play there um bbg 
Oh yeah, BBG. Oh okay, right. Yeah, yeah. so they quite uh, an easy yeah. run. Honestly, uh, Serenity team is actually pretty good. They're 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 on the come up. I, I wanted to somehow fit it in on the last episode, but there was no way to do it. But the Omen on the Serenity team, Bang, is cracked. He's really good. He is really, really good. Um, I, I watched him play in the uh, that like 5K Knights tournament. It was like the week before this one. Mm-hmm. He was just popping. He's, he's really good. Um, but mm-hmm. Serenity team has some potential. So like, I, I don't think that them taking a map off Sentinels, I, they shouldn't, but it's not appalling. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, from from sentinels but yeah yeah i guess sentinels just kind of made it through with a fairly easy bracket they didn't really yeah. get pushed too hard well sentinels have changed some stuff up as well though sentinels are start now starting to run sick on sova when it comes right. to um to icebox um and they need to make changes for the rest of their map pool as well their yeah. ascent and their bind both look really poor right now their icebox has started to become a lot better now that sick is playing the sova i like this look from sentinels it's not just run it onto a every single round they're looking like they're trying to activate their brain cells a little bit as they play this map but their split is not as dominant as it used to be i don't know how they'll really adapt a new split to be honest but uh they're yeah they're um haven is easily their best map and outside of that, they've got like a slightly better icebox now and a bit of a shaky split. And then bind and ascent are just all over the place. They could lose to any team. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting seeing Sick just playing every agent in the game at this point, aside from Sage, which he was so good at. And, and Sage still <laughs> ultra viable, yes. as you saw in the Red Bull tournament with every team running yeah. Sage damn yeah. near. Yeah. Um, I would like to... Maybe just see him go right back to Sage, and yeah. I wonder if some of these problems wouldn't be fixed, um, or at least it would help with the comfortability of the team. Yeah. Um, I think it would also allow Shazam to maybe play Breach, which I'd like to yeah. see. Let's move on to the rest of the NA teams in the bracket. Like the, I think the last game we're going to cover is the uh, Ambox and T1, essentially. That was a really... This was a great game. It was an interesting... It yeah. was a very interesting game. What? If you can... Yeah, what, what did you guys think of them of T1? Because T1 have changed their roles around. And I yeah. didn't watch this game. I missed it. Well, I think it's funny to look at the Reddit narrative. You were telling me about the, oh, well, the Reddit yeah, narrative. I mean, it's the, a lot of fun. The, the, yeah, the narrative of the people was... It was, it was funny. <laughs> because Brax's stats against the, like, whatever, the, the diamond teams that they were playing mm-hmm. before the actual, like, you know, games it, against real sure. teams started when they were playing real, real amateur teams. Brax was just plowing them and i saw so many people saying like holy shit his jet is fucking cracked and then they played against anbox and it, it was immediately oh his jet's fucking terrible he has to get off of it right away and it's just switched immediately um I honestly i thought that well first of all the first map in that series was split and i think that their role changes help them on split because that was a map before that i think the role changes they were just lost on when they were trying to figure out how dazed was playing yeah Yeah, with the dazed on rays no 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 they 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 didn't have the right roles so i think that these swaps have made their split better which you immediately saw they lost that map but that is probably anbox's it's either the best map or in their top two maps uh they're one of the best tactical teams on split in na right now so the fact that they had a respectable performance against yeah, them was- versus what they have shown on that map in the past, I, I, was, I felt good with. And then on the second map, Bind, they just rolled Anbox. Yeah. And I, 
I thought it was fairly ironic watching that game because they were rolling Anbox using some of the same tactics that Anbox have been using for months with the Phoenix <laughs> on bind, but Anbox couldn't figure out how to play against their own shit on the map. And they were just getting wrecked. Um, and then it just flipped on the last one. It was, yeah. it was a wild series. I feel like this is much more of like the, the skadoodle adjustment hour, honestly, in this tournament because I actually don't think Brax's jet was like awful poo poo tier no, like it definitely he wasn't he definitely wasn't like a comfortable on it as comfortable as ska was when he was playing it but i really feel like this was the 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 ska adjustment hour in this particular series because i i, I felt like in particular his raise was just not up to when he was playing jet and he was a fragging monster i didn't think his raise was nearly as comfortable as it should have been so for someone that they have playing that duelist at that time, it's like because they're swapping between the silver between the rays at times, like so. I, I I didn't like his rays too much, honestly, during this tournament series. I feel like he just didn't feel comfortable at all. Mm. What I do like about the T1 swaps, though, is that putting Brax on Jet and Scar on this has made the rest of their team way more comfortable. Like the rest of the team's roles yeah. fit. And okay, Scar was a top ten player when he was playing Jet, and Brax might not be that, but the overall benefits for T1 are going to come with time, I think. Because their team mm. just looks... I mean, Dazed is going to be way more comfortable playing the Sentinel role. And I think Scar, over time, will really continue to have big value in this role, especially the more he can play the Sova. And Spider playing the, the Rays and the Phoenix on, like, the Rays when it comes to... Um, Oh, no, he doesn't play the Rays on... Uh... He didn't, no, he's been playing Smokes mostly. Yeah, he's been he's playing, playing Smokes on, on Split, which I, I thought on was split. a little bit strange. But, you know, <laughs> fair enough. That's, that's fine. The... Yeah, the, I think, though, that this, this change has been positive for them overall. And the more time that Brax gets on Jet, and the more time that Scar gets on his rolls as well, I think they're going to they're gonna look like a more comfortable team. Everything... They look like the system is going to work now. Whereas yeah. I was confused as to what the solution was previously. A lot of people are like, always run Spider on the Duelist. But the problem with running Spider on the Duelist full time is that you then have a, a hole of like, what do you do with the smokes? Is AZK playing smokes full time then? Right. And, the, and, and that's your... You want them on... I think you still want... Uh... You want AZK on Breach. Yeah, you really do. Like, he's, that's the... That's definitely his best role. It's by far and away his best role. So you don't want to put AZK in an uncomfortable position where he has to fill smokes because Spider's um, playing the, the duelist. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, I felt as well that on the third map ascent where they did get kind of blown out, I don't think that that was due to the role swaps directly in the sense that it wasn't oh, they're just bad at these agents and that's why they lost, mm -hmm. which was, I, I, I just don't think that was the case. Um, they just got rolled on their defensive half because they were playing mega passive uh, in mid. They yeah, just they just lost. gave up mid they every lost, round. They, they, had, they lost mid control every single round for essentially free. And Box used, and they Box dropped were going one into, smoke. And, and Box were going into t one spawn repeatedly. Yeah. Like three or four rounds on attack. And Box were in t one spawn, pushing them for like a B pinch or something. Yeah, again, you could see it on the minimap right now. They would just put this one smoke down, and Box, and they pretty much just had mid for free every single time. Yeah. No contention for market. And they just always had Skadoodle playing in spawn, jump spotting over the fence. <laughs> and he never actually, I mean, how can he? He's yeah. just one Sova. Yeah, he can't, he yeah, can't yeah. just... 
send in his shock darts and recon and run in himself. So yeah. he was kind of just doing this every round. Um, and it's not like they had a Killjoy turret giving them information for when a guy's passing market. Like, you can put the Killjoy turret on the Switch so that you have that info. They weren't doing that. Yeah. But they, Anbox were actually doing this on Split as well, where they were pushing B Heaven and then wrapping Android behind to CT mm -hmm. to do, like, a, a pinch play on B, where they come from behind you as well. Yeah. And they were doing it here, where they push into spawn, and then they, they kind of split attack B but from in front and behind instead of pushing market, which I thought was really interesting, but shouldn't work because yeah. you should be contested in mid, and they never did. I mean, just look at the mini-map right now, where the, what the T1 players have to be watching. <laughs> they're, they're just, there's so many angles they have to cover. Um, and the, the thing about it is, as well, I mean, Ambox are one of the most coordinated teams in NA right now. They are not one of the teams that you want to have freedom to just drop their well-thought-out execute on you. Yeah, you no. want to break their setup yeah, you have because to fight they them. are going to drop the, the nuke on you on one of your sites. Um, so I think the, they just played the map incorrectly. I, I also think, though, that that's because they're new to these roles. You give yeah. them more time on these right. roles, and they'll figure out how to play their roles properly, and the maps will get better. I, I, yeah, especially criticism. for like a synth, because I feel like Scar on Silva, they might not know like what they want to do with right. his information yeah. yet. Like and he might not even know how he wants to call, like when he's going for this info or like how they're going to play off his utility, right? Like yeah. they might not even know what to do, especially like on that contest on mid, right? Because they're just having to bunny hop around. Like I feel like this is this could definitely be linked to a role issue, at least the initial well, swap. I, but also, wasn't this criticism of uh, T1 before? in terms of their lack of adapting on the fly to, to what teams are running at them. Like, they're very, very passive gameplay. Yeah, usually on attack as well. Is yeah, the I, T1 position. But you think this is more of a map-defined issue? This was, it, was, it was on this map, okay. specifically, that they yeah. just were not playing... They, they did not pressure mid. I don't want... There's two things I don't want to get conflated here, which is when I say they're being passive, I don't want that to be conflated with the old T1 sure. narrative that is expired, where they were passive and sitting in bind yeah. spawn. Yeah, on attack. That was attack. That Two was different. Th those they are, don't do that. They anymore. don't do that anymore. Their bind is actually really good. So yeah. I don't want to get those two. When I say passive, don't conflate it with the old T1 passive narrative. And then also, I don't want to get the roles not working right now. How, however you put it. Yeah. But I don't want to get that conflated with the players on these roles are not good because I think that the players on these roles can work yes i think it makes the whole team more comfortable i think there are potential with these roles they probably need more time but i think that this i think these changes could take the team an extra step that they wouldn't have with the previous yeah. roles because i think it can their map pool will be better with these in a bit of time i think it's just um, time yeah so i just don't want to get those things conflated because i i, I yeah i feel like people were saying that Brax was the problem on this map. He was like opping on A, just getting executed on every round. Yeah. It's I mean, I did feel though that Brax was just kind of statically holding areas a lot. I, and, yeah. and again, with more time, I think he'll push the limits of what he's able to actually do on that, um, on that role. Uh, it's, it was a, on paper, it didn't make too much sense. But when you watch it in the server, you're like, okay, I can see the potential for this with T1. They only went for one real aggressive play on defense, which was the vintage shark attack. The classic <laughs> flash and dash. The original one that swept the nation and is now a 
absolutely dead play that no team should attempt because everyone is ready for it, <laughs> which is the breach flash down mid, the jet dash into the connector. Brax did it once, died immediately. Yeah. So <laughs> you can tell that I think they're still working on the strategic uh, elements of this map and the tactics they want to implement. Definitely. Because if that's the only one you use, and that's like, everybody knows that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I can see the potential here and I, I do want to give it some time. Um, but, but uh, sorry, I do want yeah, to give on. extra, we have to talk about Ambox a little bit, at least give them credit yeah. for really continuing to improve, continuing to push their own uh, tactics forward developing their own tactics continuously. Ye had a great series as Ye well. Ye has been yeah. really good recently. <laughs> He's been on fire. He's been I mean, on fire was just recently. Disaster. Oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, Ye, Ye has been slamming recently. And when you have the, the, the duo of uh, Ye and Android both going off within their excellent system, they can yeah. really succeed. I'm, um, I'm excited to see Unbox, I think. Just in, yeah, in, really in the actual cool double limb portion, because we still... I, I wouldn't say the T1 is the, the test, right, for this mm. team. I mean, the, the, the Ambox of the team has always been the one that we've been seeing at the cusp of breaking into Tier 1 constantly yeah. for the yeah. longest time now. T1's a great win so, to yeah. have under your belt because yeah. T1, most people were ranking them as like the fifth best team after first strike. So that's... That's a good, oh, or maybe even fourth, actually, some people. Weren't so. we most people in that scenario? Yeah, we were, we're most people. Weren't we people. under that? Yeah. <laughs> people, yeah, yeah. I was going to mention it earlier, but people were including this with the like upset randomness, like T1 is out and TSM yeah, I mean, and other teams. Silly. I which think. is, I mean, yeah. It's, this is, yeah I think yeah. people just conflate like well known at times, like well known teams yes. that they lose. Everyone's like upset. And it's like, no, not always. A lot of well known teams can have like just not only bad teams, but in this case, T1's not bad. It's more of just, they can lose, you know, to yeah, pretty good yeah. teams. Yeah, I also, yeah, it's kind of weird. Holding opinions. There's also, there is a lot of volatility when it comes to these kind of games. In CS, the best teams don't win every tournament. Like they, they, they can have yeah. long periods of dominance, but you can still be the best team in a region and not win every tournament. Yeah. You yeah. can just win more often or place higher than everybody else. Like the, you don't have to be dominant to be the best. Speaking of dominance, Brazil taking over. Yeah, with no streamed matches. <laughs> um, <laughs> Excuse me. We're gonna we're gonna recap the Brazilian side of the VCT so far because uh, yeah. a lot of these games weren't streamed, um, and also they were playing like in a best of one format again. So essentially, what this comes down to, as well, the reoccurring theme has been me blaming Riot for this, and I've just remembered that it's essentially the tournament organizers that are in charge of a lot of these early formats. Um, yeah, essentially really is, sure. what, is what yeah. it comes down to, I think. Um, but yeah, let's just go down to Brazilian Challengers 1, I think, and, I mean, and have a look. So the, starting with the Open Qualifier, yeah. um, which is uh, took place a, uh, quite a bit earlier, uh, you'll see that the way this was seeded... Now, this is just part of the bracket. Um, the full bracket, If I think if you click Full Bracket Kurt, at the top... Uh, enters up the opens up the full bracket, which is a ton more teams. Just to give you an idea yeah. of how many teams entered into this one, just 241, um, I believe. Teams. Yeah, that's so quite a few teams, a lot of a buy lot of rounds, teams. but a hell of a lot of teams in the Brazilian region as a whole. Just, I mean, I, I this is just to give you guys an idea of, of how big this open qualifier was. Um, because yeah. I, I had some questions where I was like, okay, why, uh, why are Furia playing against Gamelanders in the round of 32? Well, they kind of seeded them 
I, I, I don't know. They, they, they could have seeded it a little bit better. Let's be honest. I think it's just... They could have seeded uh, that a lot better. With yeah, that yes. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm assuming it's because they just count Furia as like a new team. They but, have but, no... But. Yeah, no, no record, so it's possible that they can play. No against, record, but some of the best players. In yeah, the no Brazil. record, possibly going to be the best team in the region. But yeah, unfortunately, this game wasn't streamed. I mean, this would have been the best game yeah. of the tournament, and it so, was just before the qualification period for to yeah. get these teams like through. But the Brazilian region is doing things a little bit different to the other regions in the way that they're working. So. Essentially, there's three qualifications to going to the Challenger's final. But Challenger 1 is being done differently in every single region. So you can see here you've got the qualified teams. But the main event, if we go over to the main event, it's complicated. There's two groups of double elimination. So the good teams are kind of separated into different sides of the bracket. But essentially, four teams are going to be qualifying. And if you qualify, you make it into the Challenger 2 without playing through the open qualifier system there. Yeah. So the exact same... The exact same system and idea and concept as the other regions, but just a different way to get there. Yeah. Um, and but, yeah. The, you don't play it out for a winner of Challenger 1. Yes. Which is weird. Each group has two winners. Like yeah. one team might play less games, but in terms of the prize money, if you scroll down a little bit, you'll see that there's only a minor difference. So you can see each group, if you win... Uh, group A and Group B playing the least amount of games. So in the upper bracket, you get the 15,000. Um, and if you come second, that's in the double elimination part of it, you get 10,000. You also qualify for challenges too. I honestly, I kind of like it. For the first, I like it for the challenger one. Yeah. I like it. Because, yeah. it's, because it avoids the seeding. Yeah. All the games yeah. matter. Uh, and you're still going to, you still end up with the top four. I think this is a nice way to do it for the first Challenger. It's like preliminary like almost, it. right? It's giving the teams, yeah. they've got the money to play for, but then you understand what they're playing for on top of that. Yeah. And it's not like, uh, the, 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 it's, it avoids the argument of like the almost the unnecessary games. Yeah. You're kind of blue balling the viewers though for a while because Challenger 1 doesn't have the climax. You don't get mm -hmm. to see who the best is for Challenger 1. You have to wait until Challenger 2 for that. But that's, I think, uh, is that okay? My I argument okay. for this is, it's pretty clear that Riot do not care to get eyes on Challenger 1. Uh, in terms of like the, the actual marketing for it, mm. people have been saying, well, they've been, they've been advertising it on their Twitter and they've been advertising it here, there and everywhere, but they haven't really been, there's been no marketing push towards yeah. the esports. There's been no like in-game stuff. There's been, it, it's been quite laissez-faire when it comes to the, the, the kind of like yeah. trying to get casual True. people to watch. And I think... That's because Challenger 1 is this kind of like, the, the way they're looking at it is like the, the very preliminary tournament that's going to be feeding into what they want to get eyes onto, which is going to be the Challenger's final probably, yeah. the Masters event, which yeah, is going to yeah. be in March. Yeah. Uh, and that's where they want the eyes to be coalescing onto. Yeah. I, yeah, I like this format though. The yeah. First Challenger I, I don't hate as, it. Yeah, as a preliminary format, I think it's pretty but much- But you wouldn't want to be on this, right? Like just the first Challenger. Like I wouldn't want yeah. this to be on the first Challenger. Yeah, it's so. just for the first I one. You what, because oh. then you avoid the seeding and then for the second one, you can play out the bracket. It is really weird that in these groups for the main event, they've got BO1s for That's the, the upper problem. bracket and then double, yeah. and then it's a BO3 when you are- getting about about to be eliminated but that but that's the better way of doing it is to have a bo3 once it's an elimination game the yes. elimination games are yeah. way more important now when you have a week until you play the the conclusion of a group stage why not have it all be bo3 
Yeah, like, I don't. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I don't really understand the delay between the games. I don't know. What I also think some of this marketing yeah. stuff. It's maybe not so much on Riot as it is just once again we're still dealing with just separate tos doing yeah, separate yeah. to things. Like yeah. North America, there's way more eyeball. I, I can't speak eyeballs on it, just because like that's just how they're designing it, right? Yeah. While Brazil, they're like, okay, Gamelander Furia, you're meeting up in the second round of our three hundred thousand, you know, million team interest <laughs> tournament. For some reason and then we have europe where they're just once again saying okay total media silence we're blacking out the cities it's like it's like german air raids again in world war ii just everyone go dark everyone just go dark again can't see it can't see the games don't watch them yeah well europe has a 512 team bracket that's all bo1s until the round of 32. God, it's <laughs> like actually mental yeah they, they must is. be getting the and same no streams and no streams you're not yeah, allowed to co-stream. No co-streams. Yeah, and I you're don't, not allowed to co-stream. Well, you is... take away viewers then if you co-stream. Oh, well, they presumably it's down to the TOs. They've actually... Well, the co-streaming thing isn't. The co-streaming yeah. thing is apparently... Well, actually, that might be down to the TOs. But they've said that the co-streaming thing, they would like to have them. But because they have to navigate like 30 different countries' rules when it comes to... Uh, like how the sponsors want to be presented on stream, and I, I don't, I don't even know what the legality stuff would even sure. include. But yeah. that is apparently the stumbling block for, for, for why they implement it. It's not because they don't want to. It's because yeah. when it's in North America, it's one country. Yeah, it's it's easier to do that kind of stuff. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't even know what specifics would be relevant when it comes to that. Why doesn't but... Europe just become one country? Agreed. Well, yeah, I mean, why just... don't they just become one? Yeah. I, yeah, what well, with uh with some of the Brazilian games, I don't know if uh, I don't know if people have been catching up on them or, or, or watching some of them. But if you haven't been, still you're missing out because you're missing out, yeah. even if, fun. even don't even you don't even have to watch the games. Go to the Twitch clips. Just watch the clips. You'll find entertainment value. Your brain will be satisfied with the images you are seeing on the screen. <laughs> Or cool things happening, stimuli. It'll it's exciting. It's such so. a robotic way to advertise. <laughs> it's like, yes, the stimulus is very pleasing to my neurons as I watch it. It's interesting. Kurt, I don't know if you want to just find some clips here, but there there is some asinine shit <laughs> happening in these games. Uh yeah, this game in particular, this this fusion uh Vorex slick fusion, game yeah. was red. Ridiculous. There were uh, there was some really there were two clutches in this that were ridiculous, Kurt. I don't know if you can find them. There's one from Dragonite and uh one from Physic. I mean, it's the shit that's happening in this game is just crazy. Yeah. yeah. But the, this is this is the constant with Brazil. It is just entertainment value. So I mean I just it's not clean it's not gonna be the cleanest Valorant in the world, but I think people aren't interested in that anyway, given that NA is yeah, yeah. the, I mean, the most popular region. It's so NA like, on crack. It is, it, yeah, it's like really, really mechanically skilled players just creating chaos. I mean, you talk about mechanically skilled as well. The the teams that we would have ranked as the top two teams, or maybe I suppose top three teams coming in, like Payne, Gamelanders, and Vorex Fusion. Mm -hmm. And the teams that have actually had the most success are the new super teams, Furia and Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Like, they've been battering their way through the, the tournament so far. And... I mean, how, how much more mechanically skilled could this region get? They're just coalescing super teams together to try and push that as their way through. Yeah, That's it's, wild. It's the, we haven't seen a lot of the Furia team yet, unfortunately, because yeah, they that game one game broadcast. But that one game that was broadcast, you can see it. It's just like, oh, yes, <laughs> the skill. <laughs> it is just ridiculous. I mean, the, the, on the first half, they just 
plowed those poor galaxy carrots. Galaxy carrots. With just absurd individual skill. <sighs> Uh, yeah. With the spectrum, bro. Oh, that, uh, sorry, there, there are like three clutches from this game. They're ridiculous. I forgot about that one. I don't know if you can find the other two, Kurt. The one from Dragonite, it's on B. It is ridiculous. Yeah. It is so it's silly. It's a super fun region. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, fun. I just can't recommend enough people to watch it. <laughs> it's just crazy. Every game loses really, the today. You know, if you are going to watch it, Challenges Finals, you know? Like when we yeah, actually yeah. get the, uh, yeah, the, the oh, yeah, big challenges too, as well. All challenges yeah. too, yeah. 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 When the, the teams are playing for, for, for sure. more. Though I will say, uh, that, that Furia Slick game should be really good. That's another team, I think it's called Slick, right? Yeah, Slick. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure. They, they're, um, they're just another team that's an amalgamation of players from every team. They somehow manage to just pluck one player from every mm. other, just like one guy from Team 1, one from Falco, one from X-Vikings. Like they've somehow taken one guy from every team and put together another really good team. Um, but... Yeah. Uh, is this it? I don't know. What are we looking oh at here? Um, this is a judge play. A the judge two, play. The two piece of the Hunter Yeah, this wouldn't okay. be it because this is A site and it happens on B. <laughs> what White's talking about. Is there a way to check things that you clipped on the Twitch? Oh, okay. App? I don't know. Because. Oh, uh, my God. Yeah, that's. I, that's I clipped fun. two of them, but I. I yeah, they're on Valorant BR. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, this this region's a lot of fun. I, I'm enjoying it. It's cool to watch. And mm -hmm. I it just makes me even more excited for when the Land. regions match up. Yeah, at the end. Because yeah. the the styles of the regions are so different. I mean, Brazil and Korea could not be more different if they tried. If yeah. they were deliberately watching each other's VODs and going, we're going to pick the exact opposite style, they could not get more polar opposite to each other. And watching them battle at LAN with North America and Europe is just going to be crazy. So like, interesting. What is the style of Valorant that's going to win? Is it the more puggy, loose stuff, which is all based around like individual mechanics? Is it the rigorous tactical style of teams like Summon and Vision Strikers? Like, what is the best style of Valorant at the moment? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It might be stylistic, you know? You never it could, know. yeah. It could yeah. just be just like a rotation of different regions being yeah. one better than the other. Yeah, yeah. So you get this weird love triangle every LAN event mm. where you're like, which which team will run into which team, yeah. you know? And it's, yeah. it all comes down to a lot of different stuff. Every time you watch a top... Brazilian team I can just always see the future where the international land happens and they just plow one of these tournaments. Well, just an yeah. unexpected win as well coming out from Brazil but hopefully that won't happen because we are singing their praises from since 2016 <laughs> we, yeah. we've just been singing the praises of Brazil I feel like as early as possible yeah I, 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 I don't know you maybe I'm putting too much credit on our popularity <laughs> scene but I feel like we have been Hopefully yeah. setting the stage for Brazil to eventually be not taken as like an unexpected victory no, at the event. You, 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 yeah. you look at like LG winning the recent games where yeah. a lot of it is around like how skilled the LG players are, how well they trade off each other and their their overwhelming ability within the server to, to beat out the other teams, uh, even if their utility usage isn't quite as um, thorough, their just fundamentals are really sound. Brazil's got that in spades. I mean, mm -hmm. the skill is there, but also they're so fast to be able to back each other up. And that is just brutal fundamental ability, which yeah. absolutely could win against any of the top teams, I think. It, it's not consistent, but it's incredibly good. What's next up? I, I thought we were waiting for a clip. If you...
Oh, you couldn't find oh, it? Mind. We okay. had the judge clip. We had the judge clip. That's, That's good. True. We didn't have the judge clip. All right. yeah. I'm that shows the brutal tempo. I am excited Brazil. for Brazil, but the region that makes me coom <laughs> is always <laughs> yours. <laughs> what a fucking yeah. terrible I never, segue. I never want <laughs> yeah. I, What's I, a bad segue about that? That sounds really good. This is a good because he just said the region that makes me coom. You should have. <laughs> did, did did you see his little nasty did face his when face? he said that? Did no, you no, say the, the best? This is say, the best intro for Europe possible because it's all just fucked. It's fucked up, and that was a fucked up intro. So let's. let's you, I let's mean, you did that. Avast, you didn't. You didn't look him in the eyes like I did when he just. Glanced no, over and said, I didn't feel the heat I mean, radiating off his face like a stove top. Was, I, didn't, uh, I didn't see that. It's no. just disgusting. <laughs> Jesus. Glenn, take us, take us away. Yeah, the EU Red Bull home ground <laughs> tournament kicked off. Mm. And it's probably one of the best tournaments we've seen I, yet. I would say this is the best European tournament outside of First Strike. And, yeah. and even First Strike was like one weekend of play, right? With yeah. Where we didn't really know what to expect. My anticipation for this and the... The fact that it was so fresh off the back of First Strike made this m probably the tournament that I've enjoyed watching the most out of Europe. Yeah. Because there were questions about certain teams. We didn't there know. Was, yeah. We didn't the, know how good Liquid was going to be. We didn't know. There were incredible BO5 series between yep. many of the different teams as well. I mean, the semifinal Summon Liquid and the final G2 yeah. Liquid are two of the best series that you will that you will ever watch uh, in the history of European Valorant so far. And on top of that as well, the meta has changed pretty significantly. I wanted to start here because while North America has tweaked a little bit with what they're playing, like a little bit more brim being played and that kind of stuff, even if you remove all of the open qualifiers so you get rid of all of the bottom teams, the, the meta is still shifted significantly here where you're seeing a lot of Brimstone being played, a lot of Viper being played, some Rainer now being played for some of the first times in, in Europe. Yeah, um, thanks to Zeke. Yeah, some uh, some some drops in Cypher gameplay and steps up in terms of the, the Killjoy and a lot of Sage returning to the forefront of the meta. I mean, look, look at the bottom at Icebox that we were seeing picked and compared to NA. 80% Sova, 80% Jet. Okay, we've seen that. 70% Killjoy, 77% Sage yeah. on Icebox. And, and you can understand why. Icebox. And what was that for Viper? It was like 63% or something, wasn't it? Or maybe 73 for 73. Viper. You yeah. can understand I mean, why, though, if you watch oh, the yeah. Icebox in Europe yeah. games. Because they have... It, they've elevated I, I i could tell i was watching it and i was like you can tell that there has been an evolution through scrims that we yes. haven't seen yes. of the way they've been playing icebox and like they have come to this conclusion and it has led to this point where sage is almost an insta pick viper is almost like a mirror yeah between both is. teams on icebox and that is the de facto way to play icebox yeah. a definite higher understanding of how to play that map compared to any other region it seems so totally far. totally and it makes agree. a lot of sense when you watch them play it too like especially like on a side and like using the viper to like lock down the huge angles for b like yeah. it really it makes a ton of sense the they way make the map playing. more digestible it's, they do it's like yeah. they do yeah and the, the the sage walls have enormous value on attack oh, and yeah. defense ridiculous value. yeah and then the slows as well <laughs> just make yeah, it yeah they're so good it's oppressive playing against the slow orbs they lock off certain areas and turn the 50-50s into if you decide to swing or you're playing on that angle that we slow yeah i mean you're dead you're dead yeah. and you're not even getting the first pick i mean what's what's <laughs> funny about the 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 way the map is playing is that the all of the complaints all the discussion around icebox from the beginning of it, it being included in the game is around how many angles there are you can get peaked from so many places 
Who would have thought that the meta would be playing agents that obstruct angles with walls? Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's not, it shouldn't be shocking, really, I at like, all, right? But yet, it, it's sage. It's like I like the concept, mind blowing, but it's so obvious of taking the map design into your own hands by just, just <laughs> building a wall in the tunnel, yeah. the mid tube, so you don't have to worry about kitchen really yeah. at all. You don't have to worry about that particular section of the map, or just like partitioning off the map, just building a wall here. Yeah, you like know, some when, interior design whenever they push a there's a slow orb towards the back the mm. angle that people because in north america people will still hold kind of if you imagine a site a from the defender's perspective they hold the bottom left mm -hmm. so that they can swing on that bottom and left just get angle a pick almost every time yeah and they get a pick almost every time like zombs will hold their paranoia goes down swings out tries to get a pick in Europe, it, that area is slow orbed every single round on attack. If you're hitting A, there's a slow orb there. You can't swing. And then there's a wall goes up either right in front of that or it goes on the other side. And you've turned the retakers now have to funnel through one side of the map. It makes it way more predictable where they're coming from. Uh, you're, yeah, you're turning the 50-50 angles and you're going, no, actually, I'll build a wall there. And actually, it's uh, it's not. There's yeah. only one way into this site now. And the Vipers just so... And the way they use Viper on B, like, they just keep... They lock down the site plant, like, the default site plant that mm -hmm. everyone tries to do all the time. Like, so hard with the mollies and the smoke. It makes it impossible to try to get there and go for it. Like, it's just so good how yeah. they use the utility to lock out these, like, really awful obtuse angles that are originally there. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... I, 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 Sorry, I, I was going to say, I think that right now Europe is definitely leading the meta on Icebox well, from what I've seen. That's what I was going to say, but also I want to give a shout out to TSM because TSM yeah. are the only North yeah. American team that I've seen they are. that actually look like they have a great grasp of how to play. A lot of the other NA teams are just kind of run it A, run it B, one round will lurk down mid. TSM are the only team that I've seen successfully slow play and really mess with the rotations of the defenders and, and have extremely good Icebox performances. But yeah, I would say G2 and Liquid are the two best Icebox teams in the world at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, I th they've, they've cracked the code in some I, sense. I, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of the NA teams and teams around the world just start to copy the comps and the, the play on the map. They should. I, one of the most interesting yeah. things for me, which you have pretty much not seen up to this point, because obviously no EU games uh, being played or streamed, um, is the the like battle for map control that you were seeing on Icebox on B, which there was there's no fight for map control on any Icebox we've seen up until this point. Yeah. But all of the map control uh, battling happened at B with the double Viper using the Sage utility. I mean, it was it was actually ridiculous to, to witness some of the rounds where you would just see five players on one side of their wall, five players on the side of the other wall, defending and attacking, just lobbing utility at each other, <laughs> yeah. attempting to plant in the default spot at all costs, fucking mollies everywhere. It's, <laughs> it's smoke's going down. It's just chaos. But it's very interesting. I mean, that is that is where, at least at the moment, the, the battle for map control is gone. And also, the defaults in EU are so much, specifically, again, with like G2 Liquid, um, but they're, they're so much more well thought out than the defaults in NA. Um, yeah. there, there is actual pressure around the map. They're like, I love how G2, would, uh, the, you know, they would send the three guys, uh, like they would send the Sage and the Viper up uh, towards the, the B site to get some map control. They'd have Pit watching in mid, Zeke would lurk around towards A. Like they would actually have a proactive default where they were fighting for some map control at B. And then sometimes they would hit the site and execute, uh, try to get the default plant put, put down the wall, or they would rotate back. I mean, you know, play the game. Yeah. They, they would play but the game with a depth past 
running to one site and then running yeah, to the other but, side. But what I love about the G2 and Liquid play on Icebox as well is that by playing your three players, uh, which for G2 is their, they have their Sage, they have their Sova, and then they have the uh, Jet normally play towards the green entrance to B. Then they have their Viper potentially lurking up tube if they manage to ro d kind of pull the rotators over to B. And then they have Zeke on Reyna lurking in A. And and if they are successful in finding a pick off based off their map control on B, they'll they'll maybe transition into hitting the site and Pith and Zeke will then become backstabbers and lurkers in the post plan. And if they're not successful, then they rely on Pith to find a timing to walk up tube or Zeke to find a timing to walk into A. And once they've... The defender rotations are so long that if you put enough pressure on B, you drag players out of mm -hmm. mid and out of kitchen and out of A. And it creates space for Pith and Zeke to walk into A or walk into kitchen. And then you can return to them at the end of the round and you can get a free plant on A or you can get... Um, uh, a rotation into A where Pith is now in the tube ready to backstab people there. And it's just, it's so well thought out and they get, they get value out of that way more than just zug zug, we attack one site. Yeah. It's, there, it, it's a true breaking point of the map. It is. And I love within the meta too, the, the usage of Viper is so good in drawing out enemy utility. Um, the, the way that uh, both those teams were using the Viper utility over uh, on B throughout different points in the round to draw out defender utility to v very late points in the round where they would finally execute and try to get the plant. Um, all throughout the round, just... I mean, this is why Viper is viable on some of these maps, in my opinion. It's not just the, it's not just the actual utility and what it does. It's that it's recurring and you can continuously use it to just suck more utility out yeah. of the enemy team. And like the, the, and the defenders always have to respect it. They always right, have to yeah. leave at least a player there because you could be just walking up behind it. Yeah. So, so the meta of using the Viper utility recurring throughout the round to suck utility out of the defending team and then eventually deciding to hit that site or rotate off and using it as a bait. It's just very interesting. I mean, this is the best icebox gameplay you're going to witness at this point. And also, on every other map, I think it's better to run a Viper with another smoker. And on this map, because there's so many things that obstruct your vision anyway, naturally, I think solo Viper is mega viable. It's yeah. the only map, really, where I think it's incredibly viable to run uh, solo is, Viper. And Sage is just so good at A. I think yeah. it is the Sage, yeah. though. Somebody asked me that. They were like, why? I, sorry for interrupting, Vass. I was just going to say that. No, no, I was just agreeing with White. I was agreeing with yeah, White. Yeah, the... the uh, Someone was asking me, like, why are they running solo Viper? Why not run another smoker? If, mm. if, especially somebody said, why not run Brimstone? Because so much of the team strategy seems to revolve with the retake or the post-plant scenarios is using the mollies to clear out angles or just delay the bomb. Yeah, essentially. Th I mean, that's how Liquid plays for sure. They play with, like, the Killjoy but, Molly. But also and North Viper American Molly. teams oh, as right, well, yeah. right? Like, yeah. the, the concept of, like, why not play with as many Molotovs as possible? Sure. But the... Doing that, you remove one of the key pieces in your team. You remove like a Sova or a Sage. And all every piece is integral to the point that we've got to in Europe, at least, with the meta that's developed. Between yeah. these two teams, at least, between G2 and, and Liquid, to get to this point where if you remove one of those pieces, the overall crux of their plan, the, the overall game plan for how they approach A and B kind of just falls apart. Yeah, Because um, it's, it's, all, it's all integral to, to try and... Uh, essentially yeah. break either yeah. of those sites. And, I, I and there's just so much geometry to use anyway. Sorry, White, do you want to nope, get rid of it? Nope, nope, nope. This is your time nope. to shine. My time. Make that, make <laughs> My that goddamn time. point. 
I was just, I mean, it, I was just piggybacking off of Bryn. It's just like the geometry of Icebox in particular, on really every point anyways, it's like you don't, because of how you can split the map so easily with just Viper and how you do it and how having a Molly or a slow from like the, from the Sage means that you can clear a corner that's so, that, that's where you're going to get the majority of your picks like when you're anchoring a site. It just makes smokes a lot less valuable for other portions of the map because of how the geometry of the map already is like yeah. there's just so the angles aren't super super long more often than not you're dealing with just like a with a much more of like a, a tunnel type of system almost yeah. where like you're having to deal with like a, a myriad of different angles all coming together at once versus just long sight lines yeah so yeah, i feel yeah. like this is and this is where europe has shined i think at times and it really shows the difference between like we can sit here now and be like this is genius right this is genius it's such a good idea right but were any of us really proposing too hard for at the very least like viper like maybe i think we talked about stage, but maybe viper like <laughs> yeah. it, it's tough for us to it, that's like the benefit of like where are these players and like having really good game sense comes into play right because it's it's really hard to sometimes break out of like what were you thinking about you the meta before what were you thinking about how we approach the site to just say like wait what if we just make a new site what if we just make a new site with, with sage walls yeah, and viper yeah, with walls? Blackjack and hookers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I was going to avoid the, that part, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, listen, if you're talking geometry, angles, protractors, there's uh, no agent to better take care of uh, those than uh, Sova, you know? Bouncing arrows around, angles, and uh, I think artists showed how good Sova is on this map. Yeah. I'm, yeah. There, I think there was this theory that Sova would not be good on this map. And I think a lot of people subscribe to it because of the map being indoors and closed off on the A side. And there's not, I mean, I think that's out the window. I, I think you get mega value off the drone on this map and artists showed how, how many and how effective the shock dart lineups can be on this map. He's really, he's, he's leveled up his shock dart. Team. He really has. Uh, it sounds silly to say that, but he's just getting yeah. so much value with it. Uh, his shock darts were incredible, actually. Like you, you, there were uh, there was a crucial round towards the end of the game, um, where G two on attack, they put down the sage slow on the A site orb, and there's just two shock darts landing at the yeah. feet of Scream, who's trying to get the orb. And uh, yeah, there were just so many crucial moments with the shock darts. And uh, I mean, you know, I think the recon, yeah, it doesn't get as much value on A um, or or B for, for for that matter. It's it's tough to get mega value as you see three people light up from one recon <laughs> on the screen. But I think typically there's just so many angles. It's hard to get really good recons because it's easy to get out of the way of them. But I think that yeah, the drone is the mega drone valuable. Is it's super good for retakes. Um, yeah, I, I think that I, I actually we were saying this when we were watching this game the other day, Josh. I, I think that this G two comp is actually the comp on this map right now. Yeah, I, think I can't is, think of a better one. I, I think it, I, and they did lose this game. So, you know, you say that not like, if you run this comp, you will literally never lose. But I think that in terms of meta picks, I think it is the best comp. Now, is the raise also really good? Yeah, like if you were tier listing this, I think your raise would still be like A tier on this map. Sure. I still think Killjoy would be A tier on this map. So it's, and these are, so this is marginal. It's not, yeah. as a, again, it's not, you literally pick this, you will win. But I think that the picks that G2 had are just pretty ideal for the map yeah. at the moment. The, the other thing that I wanted to mention when it came to the meta changes that we've seen in EU recently is that people have started integrating Sky. And this is also the case in North America with Crashies playing a lot of Sky too and uh, Cutler playing a lot of Sky as well. But in Europe also, we've seen a lot of people like Solcast, for example, 
start to play the sky in very creative ways when it comes to these these various maps and it feels like people have finally now three months after she's been released figured out how to get value from her in in team compositions at the pro level um and and that's really interesting to me that it's been like three months before this has happened because that i'm trying to keep track of this for the future to see what the, what kind of patterns develop for new agents when do they get mastered because the other thing that springs to mind as well is this is the first i, I was i was kind of mind blown by this but this is the first tournament where we've seen people using shock darts to counter killjoy ultimates yeah and those lineups are crazy simple they should have been figured out months ago it's been six months since killjoy was released the same lockdown positions are used every time yeah. on ascent and haven on a for the retake and the shock dart lineups have only now started being used in pro tournaments six months later it's it's very slow ponderous development and it's it's just interesting to keep track of kind of how fast the the scene develops new ideas and, and pushes things forward. I want to I want to move the conversation over towards G two overall yeah. as a team because they had a they had their first strike loss, they had a bit of a downward downward turn. But overall, over the course of twenty twenty G two, I think it's a hard to argue against them being the best team in Europe based off yeah. of the dominance they had. Yeah. And now they've got Zekin uh, and, and Paddy Tack as well. And now we're starting to see this team really come together. I mean. What were your general impressions of G2 from the course of this tournament here? Uh, is this a team that's now back to stay with these additions? Uh, I mean, look, I think Zeke adds even more firepower to the team. Yeah. He, he's has, crazy he, good. He has, I mean, he's just a sick individual player. I think he really shines on defense when you put him in the situations where his site is getting hit. He's in a 1vx. He is going to pop off. Um, he had some great play on the Reina, the very, very rare EU Reina. Um, he, he just had... He had, he had great moments. Um, I think... Uh, Which I like on Icebox, but they also have started playing it on Ascent. Ascent, yeah. And that is where... That is where I'm having concerns with G2, is that when I watch their Ascent gameplay, and when I watch their play on, um, on Split as well, particularly, even though they're having a huge amount of success, it feels like more of the same g2 where they're playing just reacting to their opponents they don't look like they're tactically better than they were before they look like they arguably have more skill yeah. i mean david p was an incredible player and he's really skilled but zeke is probably even more skilled than that yeah but it's not like under mixwell's igling they're playing tactically genius plays i would argue that they maybe are when it comes to icebox but not on any of the other maps it's still reacting to their opponents. It's still um, trying to find weaknesses of their opponents and exploit them as much as possible. They're not playing their own game. They're playing to kind of feel out their opponents and then, and then beat them at, th at their game, which is how G2 were getting their successes all year long. It's not a bad thing, but it's nothing new. Yeah. It doesn't feel like G2 have turned over a new leaf. It feels like the same thing, and they're still... They're still pushing for information. They're still facing and taking angels a lot. Against that, that's what lost them the series against Heretics was Paditek and David P pushing for info in the mid-round. And Paditek continues to do that every round. And it was getting punished sometimes, but it was mostly working. And that's not, that's not new. It just 
they weren't playing against a team that can punish that. Yeah. Because Paditek was either winning his duels or um, Liquid's defaults are not as good as a team like Heretics. They, they were getting a, away with a lot on defense. Paditek was just pushing up every round. I mean, if he didn't hear someone early in the round towards his sight, he would just drop a smoke and walk through it. And he was that doing happened it. on Split, that happened on Haven. Yeah, it, he was doing it constantly. Yeah, the, the liquid defaults were just uh, not thorough enough for the aggression that G2 like to have individually when they're on defense. Um, but yeah, I mean, G2 was it, was, it was more of the same on all the non-icebox maps. Incredible reactive play, excellent ability to play off each other. Their trading is just phenomenal. They're always in the perfect position for, to take every duel in the best position and then have the guy for follow-up. They just play an immaculate, reactive, free-flowing game still. Uh, like on, uh, They just run around on split in their little clump. They're just playing the <laughs> clump style. Seriously. It's just a clump of them. They're just running up through mid. They run into ropes. They find one pick. They leave one guy in A heaven, and then the clump returns to mid. The clump goes to B heaven, and they just trade. They, they, that's, they, on attack, it's just the clump, and it goes around. It trades perfectly. Perfect team play. The clump is just... It, it, it's just a black hole that sucks you in around the map, and then once that's in a not, while... That's not a bad thing, right? I mean, like it's early no. in their team's life cycle, right? And that, so there's no... in this new roster iteration's life cycle, so there's no guarantee this is where we're going to stay. And also, if G2 has just added a more like another fragger alongside mixwell that's more flexible and they can put them on more duelists right that they couldn't really yeah. do without p and they just play the same thing they were great at but now they have more flexibility and more fragging like is that a yeah. bad thing like no, inherently like they might not ever be the most tactically deep team ever and we'll see how that changes for them as we go into the future but if they're like the perfect like natural flow state homeostasis team right <laughs> like if they're like just the perfect like What's that? The laminar flow, the laminar flow, you know, like if that's them of, of a Valorant, then that's not inherently bad, honestly, no, because that not. could still mean you can win tournaments, be one of the best teams, if not the best team in the world. It's just you may not ever be the most tactically deep, but if you just understand Valorant at a, and its most fundamental level and everyone is really, really good at what they do. And now they've added extra fragging and someone that's more flexible. I kind of feel like you don't necessarily have to evolve. You just have to make sure that you don't ever fall below what your mastery is. You sort of have to maintain that level because if you ever fall below it, then you're screwed. Then you're screwed, you know? But yeah. th at that point, I don't necessarily know if they have to be the most tactically, like perfectly deep because that's not necessarily what their style is. Yeah, and I agree. I think it's just stylistic. They've lent into their style even harder than they have done in the past. And I'm interested to see whether the really smart tactics or actually it's not really tactics it's strategy it's like an overall game plan when it comes to icebox i'm interested to see whether that develops onto the other maps just given more time with this roster yeah um my only concern is that their same weaknesses from before are going to be present again at least in the short term on this roster which is that if they play against a team like heretics which on attack is really slow and just holds waiting for g2's aggression if Heretics win those aim duels, they will win against G2, right? G2 are still going to push with Paditek out of A main on split. We're watching them play right now. That's what they did when they played defense. If they do that against Para, Para is probably going to kill Paditek on a lot of the rounds. And it seems like Paditek will struggle to adjust and they might still lose. That might end up just being, though, that G2's boogie team is Heretics. 
and, and they might win, I don't know, still 80% of tournaments if heretics don't make it to the finals in order to beat them. That's that's something you see a lot in CS as well, where teams with different styles, they yeah. might beat everybody other than one team that just has the perfect style to counter them. It's not necessarily a terrible thing. But I did think that with the addition of Zeke, who was IGL for previous teams, that they were trying to be a more well-rounded team. And I wouldn't really say that G2 have become more well-rounded. They might have become more flexible. That's, I think that's very fair to say. But they're still playing that one style. They're doing it incredibly well. But they haven't really pushed outside their comfort zone yet. Yeah. Not, I mean, I, I'd thing. agree. I'd agree. But I feel like there's always been this, like... I feel like the, at the end of the day, when it comes to like esports in general, no matter the game, ninety-five percent of the game happens at like the fundamental level, and like how yeah. you react to a play. And this just because you know this, your plans fall apart sometimes. Like you lose a pick early, you fall behind your econ. Like you know, there's a, there's a million things that can go wrong. Someone's you know, someone's just not making the best calls that day, or just not hitting their shots. So, God, the majority so of all the game of every game is done at the your base level decision making for every player. And like for Valorant, that would be like, you know, how you're trading well, you know, how are you using utility, how are you reacting or setting up a micro play? And G2 still just does that the best, really. Yeah. Yeah. Like out of every game. And with the addition of Zeke, yes, they haven't become more well-rounded yet, but they become more flexible to just keep doing what what the, you need to do almost all the time to be the best. That, that they are doing everything they need to do that across every game, any title, that they need to win the most games. And they've just yeah. got a more fun doing it. Yeah. It's, um, I, I do think, had this tournament included Heretics and potentially FBX, it, it could have been a different outcome. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it's, it really could have been. It's very hard to say whether it would have been, but it definitely could have been. God, that trip been. is so wacky. Yeah, that trip really is crazy. <laughs> it's like on the roof. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but that just makes me even more excited for challenges, honestly. Yeah. It's like it definitely, seeing how these teams does. stack up because. Uh -huh. You've got five teams in Europe that are all breathing down each other's necks. I mean, you, you could see, you could see Summon winning a tournament. You could see Liquid genuinely winning a tournament. They were a map away from doing it there. You could see G2 easily winning a tournament. You could see Heretics easily winning another tournament. You could see a bounce back from FPX with Dimisic winning a tournament. That's five teams there. All of them could win yeah. at any point just based on who's feeling it on the day. And then you also have NIP who are on the come up who look yeah. really dangerous I'm, too. I'm excited about the new NIP roster. I, I yeah. definitely am. Um, I was going to, I mean, if we want to talk about Liquid. Though, I want to talk about Liquid. Because oh, yeah, I know Brent wants to talk about Liquid. Brent's a Liquid, liquid fanboy. Fucking vindication. <laughs> I mean, it was a good, it was a, I mean, this is the best performance Liquid have had in a tournament yet, right? Yep. It yes, has to be. It is. Absolutely. And genuinely, I think uh, they absolutely, uh, yeah, you're right. They can win a tournament. They were on the cusp of winning this tournament. I think that the issue plaguing them right now is map pool. When they work out their bind, and I think that their split needs some work as well, but especially bind. Bind is probably, bind might be the most, I don't know if there's stats on this on VLR or something. I wouldn't be surprised if bind was the most played map in competitive Valorant so far. Would not surprise me. Uh, probably. Um, and I think that at the moment, it's probably their poorest map. It is definitely their yeah, poorest map. Yeah, I say probably. Definitely. It, it's 100% at the bottom of their map yeah. pool. Yeah, it's like and, Ascent for Summon. It's like the map that if they go to it, they're guaranteed a loss. Yeah, and if you want to be like, uh, I don't know. I was going to do a dumb CS comparison, but I won't. It's like Dust 2, but <laughs> shut up, Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it, Bind is a very crucial map to be good on. 
and they are just l absolutely lost mm. in the sauce. Yeah. So I think that that I, is the, the main issue plaguing them. And then, yeah, their split attack was just, they, they were in the just zug zug Overall, zone. <laughs> I want to address the storylines, though, coming into yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Because Liquid were, I'm telling you, I was singing their praises. Yep. And fucking first strike rolls around. I'm yeah. like, this is the tournament where they're really going to be proving themselves. And they go up against Heretics, the winners of the tournament. And this is a great showcase of how the people can be so wrong sometimes yeah just uh, the overall narrative that was spreading that you know this team needed to be blown up massive changes needed to be made soul cast yeah. needed to be cut uh, and overall i mean i would argue i don't know if you guys agree with me the liquid haven't overly changed their style too much they've still been kind of adhering to the same sort of game plan when it comes to the development of the team yeah they added like one new look which is Soulcast playing the sky right and link moving over to like raise when he plays on bind right. and um Link was playing the uh, Sage on uh, Haven, Haven with yeah, Soulcast playing Sky. That was new, but the overall the, philosophy yeah, of their, like how they play the game. They were still playing sure. the same stuff. Uh, but th this showcase again, like we were saying, like there are so many competitive teams in EU, and this is. I I'm just happy that Liquid have actually showcased that they have been good because this is, I think. The best result since the team's inception. Maybe there, there was a tournament early on. I think I can't remember what the hell it was called. There was a very early EU tournament when Liquid first formed that they came second in. But the format wasn't particularly great. It was like BO1s, B right. and BO3s later. Um, but this is this is a, a recent showcase of skill where finally they, there's something on the board. You go to the Liquipedia page and it's it's perceivable you know yes. you can see yeah. that this is a top team they just needed an opportunity to shine the right circumstances for it to show up yeah um and, and this was the best example of it i mean they played two incredibly close games against uh, two of the best teams in eu right now yeah. summon and g2 and it was fucking incredible both the series, both were, series so were, amazing. were so amazing so so good yeah, yeah. I, I, i'm just incredibly pleased uh, i really am yeah what i what i am a big fan of with liquid is that they okay Solkaz had extremely good individual performance when it came to the raise yeah but also he was getting big value on the sky when he was playing that especially on the haven okay bind they're just a mess whatever but the the haven performances when he's playing sky were really good and his raise performances were just immediately back to him being excellent again which is it was just a blip first strike he was excellent before first strike on the raise, and he's excellent now on the raise. Yeah. And first strike was just a mess of him yeah. being One like map. not not yeah not being great on the silver though as well is another part to that is that his phoenix looks really good, his raise looks excellent, his sky now is also very good. The silver was a bit of a failed experiment, I would say. It's not really Solcas's hero, but he bounced back individually to a high level. The thing that I love seeing though as well is Link back on the Sage. Yeah. Boy oh boy, it is so fun yeah, to watch Link is. play Sage. On Icebox, excellent, and on Haven, huge impact. His, his utility, the impact of the utility when he is on Sage is just astronomical. It's yeah. actually... A, there were so many pushes where they just like try to push down like long and he just like hit them and like, okay, we can't go in here anymore. Time to go, time to go back up. Time to leave. And they just like left. G2 were desperately trying to go A. Desperately. And the, the utility from Link just shut them down yeah. over and over. It's just and over. Link and Soulcast Link and, Yeah, Link and Soulcast, this duo on A was just shutting G2 down. And if anyone's interested in looking at the VOD, look at how they use the flashes to gather information for Link to get the timing for his utility. I mean, like you can see it right there. He was about to set it up right here yeah. in this clip. He was like getting ready to set it up 
They'll flash. Look, they flash. They know that there's people there, and now the wall comes up because they know that there's people there. So it gives them the timing to maximize this this value. I mean, that's a bit of a troll flash, but <laughs> but generally speaking, it was devastating but for them to push into or, this. Just look, like, look at this cucky and this actual cucky, and how the sage utility just absolutely breaks this push in half. These players in yeah. short are absolutely useless, and the guys in long are just fighting a 2v3 yeah. on site. G2's best asset is their timing and their support of their teammates, and they literally, Zeke could not support Ardis there yeah. because he was in a slow orb and he's had to battle through a wall and he's worried about being flashed all the time. And they've already got the information that they're there. And uh, yeah, it's, I, it's a really nice setup. I, I think it, it is no coincidence, I feel, that the maps Liquid 1 were the maps where they were getting giga value out of Link's Sage. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. There is a correlation there. When, yeah. when he is on Sage, it's, he's just so good. Um, I mean, Scream was Scream was great throughout the series as well, and Soulcast. Yeah, like I agree. When he's on the raise, he he really shows up. He had a good performance on this map as well with this guy. Um, I mean, there's there are so many positives for for Liquid coming out of this. Genuinely. Yeah, interesting as well that there was a narrative that Scream would be kind of hardcore opping now as well because people were leaking it a little bit from scrims. I think mm. Mixwell was talking about it on his stream where he said, it's always surprising to me seeing Scream with an op, and then it's even more surprising when he kills me with the op, I think was the quote from, <laughs> from Mixwell. But Scream did very little opping. I mean, there were maybe 10 rounds in all of the 10 maps in the BO5 where he opt yeah. maybe that's a slight underestimate but it really wasn't that much and the a lot of people were like oh it doesn't make any sense to put scream on the op it's a marginal amount and yeah I it could would, just be uh, like also, a scrim experiments there i feel i feel like it's just scrim experiments of yeah. like yeah yeah try, and also, he's playing jet he's playing jet sometimes you op there's no team that really experiments more i feel like than liquid as well mm. they are always tinkering with um just what what they want to run in terms of compositions and yeah. play styles as well, like the experiment with uh, what was his name from Astralis? Yugi. Yeah, Yugi. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, I mean, just running it as like a, an opping play style, just to experiment again, just changing up uh, the way it plays. So there's with Liquid especially, I don't know if you can read into the scrim bucks as much. Mm. but uh yeah they definitely need to hit the drawing board again when it comes to bind like that map is a joke for them if it's just they don't understand how to hold b at all on the defense yeah um and their attacking rounds actually across a lot of maps are way too readable um especially when they're playing against g2 because g2 love to push for information mm -hmm. because liquid are the kind of team that gathers up on attack they don't run very spread wide defaults they just give way too much information to G2. They're, they're actually, yeah. G2 knew exactly where they were going on almost all of Liquid's attacking halves. And then Liquid were clawing it back on defense. Um, the Icebox was the lone exception to that rule. Yeah, split. I think the split map was just a great example of that. If Paditech on A didn't hear utility immediately, he would put the smoke, walk through it. There was never anyone there. And then they would yeah. just and then they just B, yeah they all they rotate B. B. Oh whoops, we're running into five people again, and they would all die. <laughs> yeah, it, it happened uh, a few times. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I, again, yeah, Liquid can absolutely win tournaments if they if they fix their bind, and if they, I think, uh, I would like them to fix their split more than their say, bind. Like bind, throw it away, ban maybe it, that's whatever. Their ban. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna yeah, bind could be their ban because split. They had a good, uh, they had a pretty good defense. It's really just their attack for me. Yeah, I think yeah. that needed work on split. It just needed to be more dynamic. It was too much 
clumping up late hitting sites. The problem with Liquid as well is with some of these site hits, they would give G2 just enough time to rotate over. Like there was a gentleman's agreement. We're going to all stand outside of Maine. We're going to let you guys rotate over so we can have a fair 5v5 on the site. And then they would go. Like it wasn't like the Renegades burst or something like that where they just are in. It yeah. was, we're going to put down the turret in Maine. We're going to stand around. Anyone going to peek? Peekers? Peekers? No one would peek. And then they would hit the site. There would be five people waiting there already. <laughs> it was, so they just needed to be more dynamic on, on those attacks. Yeah. But they, they're on the cusp. They need to they're run on the cusp. They need to run good defaults and use the defaults to transition into site hits instead of starting the round with a plan of the site hit yeah. and giving G2 all of that information on defense. Mm -hmm. It's... Uh, but but they are on the verge of making this, you know, they're on the verge of creating a very good map pool for themselves. Yeah. And they're right. on an upwards trajectory. Alongside them is someone, another team that's, uh, you know, they didn't have, they didn't make the finals this time around. But in terms of this team, again, a reminder that they're not actually signed. This is a, a group of unsigned gentlemen. I don't understand how that's happened as well, by the way. They must have been in discussions with organizations since First Strike. You, you can't be an org. I just simply refuse to believe that orgs have not been battering their doors down. Like, are someone just holding out for the million-dollar negotiation? I mean, it's probably a case of... I mean, Bosa said as well on Backchat, right, that, that some of the individual players had got offers. But they believe in the idea and the concept of the team. But but the team a, has been the best whole. unsigned team in Valorant for I mean, the last four yeah, months. Yeah, but, orgs, but orgs, this it happens all the time though that orgs want to build their own roster from players they think are good. It happens all the time. This happens in every every early game of every early esport that orgs want to break apart teams even if they're doing pretty well and build their own roster. And on top of that, like Europe is already it's harder to find orgs to, in general to give yeah. you money and. Then when you could find an org that's a good offer that wants to keep you as a team, they'll be like, okay, so we're going to give you some mouse pads and you get some mouses <laughs> and that's what you're going to get. And then, but you get to stay together as a team, right? Which is, you know, a, a shit offer. So the reality is, is that it, I don't think it's that crazy because especially since not a single person on Summon is a big name. No, no. they're not. Like, that's and that's true. the thing. An org will be much more likely to invest into something like, it's like the Fish123 roster, right? We they, There was, you know, they had some names there that they could be like, okay, fine, yeah, we'll, we'll give you, we'll throw the bag at you, right? And we'll keep you, and we'll build this roster. But someone is not that case. And I don't think that's crazy at all, honestly. I really don't think that's crazy. I, yeah. I, I, I don't think it's that crazy, but it's just it's unfortunate. It's just yeah. sad. I mean, again, I, I keep bringing up this example when we had talked about this before, but... And I like the team, and I'm happy that some of the players got signed from Moon Raccoons, but like the community was rallying behind them to get them signed. The lone unsigned good NA team that wasn't even in like the top 12 yeah. at the time. And there's everybody's trying to get them signed. Meanwhile, a top five team yeah. that plays second and first strike. Eh. <laughs> I mean, eh. It is. It's crazy. It doesn't matter. I, I mean, wonder if it's also part of how professional their logo and name looks. So people think they're already so genuinely. <laughs> surely, but that's 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 I like no, to no, believe, that, I like to believe organizations do a little bit. They just bit look of at the research. logo and they're like, ah, oh, they're already with someone. That's where and you're they're wrong. just like walk away. That is actually where no, you're I'm wrong. Right, because no teams scout or do anything of value. It, 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 seriously, like I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there have been some organizations that do not know. They see the football club and they think it's some niche Scandinavian football team that signed them. Genuinely. Yeah. I mean, I have got to admit, when I first saw it, that is what I thought. I thought it was an org too. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but 
But you're not in charge of building a team. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, and I quickly rectified that within three minutes of Googling. So, yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, also, you would think, given that there's now at this point, you, you are seeing a lot of posts of like, how are they not signed? You would think yeah. some scout somewhere who looks Someone, at Reddit, please. I mean, it's a, it's a better investment <laughs> than any of the new organizations that have just come into the scene. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, and there's been sure. there's been rumors about Fnatic picking up this team for ages as well. And it, it might be just a case, like with Liquid, where it took a long time to get the paperwork sorted I think that's what and the is. sick video made yeah, and all I think, of that kind of stuff. You I, know? I think that... Whoever they they have these guys might already be getting paychecks. <laughs> They're uh, just not ready to announce. I actually think that happened. Yeah. yeah, I I think that they've already been signed. I think that it's just not been announced yet. I think that they're cooking up a, a guild esque announcement. But uh, I think they're getting in the Viking boats. Yeah, no, I think Don't, that uh, I think, no, I think they're cooking up something funny because the players have personality. They're getting um, in the red double decker bus. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> but no, genuinely, I actually think they've already been signed. I think that it's. Uh, just yet but to be But if you announced. are an org, don't let that prevent you from reaching Listen, out. Listen, yeah, if, yeah. They're, if they're not signed, email Fucking Platt Chat. sign them, for yeah. the love of God, because now, they are still competitive amongst the top teams. I mean, how many times are we going to hit this point yeah. across when we're talking about the EU teams, but it is so competitive at the top level. This game of bind is... Oh my God, okay, that was such this, a beautiful Viper setup. Yes, it right was. there where the, it hits that... Oh my god. This entire map was one of the most gorgeous maps of Valorant I've ever watched. And it was... It was Liquid trying to come up with answers for Summon's composition and trying different things. And each time Summon were like, no, that's too weak. No, your refutation is wrong. I, we will beat you. We will beat you. We will beat you. And there was nothing that Liquid could do to be able to break through what Summon was doing to them. It was a gorgeous map of Valorant. It looked like it had been scrimmed for weeks in advance. A key, like, cheese composite, or not cheese even, but like a niche cool tactic that had come out from summon on bind which is summon's best map they're arguably the best in europe at bind along with g2 and then boaster tweets that it's his second of a time playing brim yeah. uh, on on bind and you're like all right well how are you this tactically deep that you can spring out a strategy that you clearly haven't spent you might have spent some time theory crafting it but you haven't spent a, a number of weeks practicing it you clearly have more prepared for the actual challenges event coming up and yet you still look like you are head and shoulders above the competition when it comes to bind i mean summon are just unbelievably skilled on this map yeah they're some, i want to see them play against g2 because uh, yeah i know it's, summon it's, versus g2 on bind would be that hasn't happened yet uh, unbelievably good mm -hmm. like, i love it when josh gets into good. his state of describing a team and it just sounds like bbc's planet earth and it's like it's it's gorgeous it's look at it, it's so beautiful <laughs> and then it's just like it's just like an orgasmic experience for him like i love it i i really was i mean in a state of orgasm watching <laughs> summon play I yeah the, okay their later maps weren't they kind of they started with their best map all right Nothing wrong with that. It's your home ground. That makes yeah. sense. Um, but the uh, it, it was just it was just beautiful to watch, and it's a similar kind of idea to what they ran during first strike with the viper, but a different twist on it. The viper and the sky combo so well with the flashes through the viper wall, and then their attacks on A, it's impossible to stop them pushing down short because lamps is walled off. 
and they just take showers as part of their default every single round. Yeah. And if you play for retake, they have mollies from their brim and their viper to, to beat you. You're checkmated. So, so you're actually checkmated. Yeah, they have infinite molly lineups on every map. There, yeah. there is a molly landing on the spike on every map from any angle at any time. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, they're, uh, listen. Yeah, they're executes. They're a good team. They're, they're a very good team, they're, they're, especially on bind. Their, their executes are just different. Yeah, they're very they different. Gorgeous. Now, they are also a team, though, that suffers a little bit from a map pool problem because once Liquid were able to go toe to toe with them up to the fifth map, Ascent is just. It, it's The problem is, Summon's best map is Liquid's worst. Mm. So you don't get punished in that sense because Summon were going to win no matter what. Yeah, I mean, but Ascent yeah, right. is Summon's worst map and it's like middle of the pack for Liquid. But it's just an insta win for Liquid because. Some are so poor at it. Right. Uh, and so the way that these guys' map pools match up is just in large favor of Liquid because their worst matches up to Summon's best. Um, and that's, yeah, that just ends with, with the overall BO5 series win being heavily in favor there of, uh, uh, of Liquid. Um, Summon look decent when it comes to Haven and Split, but not quite able to keep up across a BO5 series here. Yeah, I think they needed to win on split. I think that someone had a lot of really nice ideas. They had a lot of really great, uh, great executes, but I think on, on that map, actually, I think that there was a... That was one of the maps where, when you're watching, it's just uh, in that in, in that map, in that moment of time, there was an individual skill diff. Mm. They were kind of getting wrecked. They got owned um, by Soulcast on that map, didn't yeah, they? they got, yeah, they did. Um, and I think that was kind of the critical factor because I actually liked how they were playing the map a lot. It was another map where they were really well thought out. Their attack yeah. was really well thought out and then it would just crumble because some of the liquid players were just popping. Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, another, I mean, they, they looked really good. Another team that could absolutely win a tournament. Yeah. The, the thing with Summon though that I'm a little concerned about is that they don't look like they can win on Icebox. So they've got... When, they, when they're coming up against G2 or Liquid... They're always going to lose on Ascent. And against those teams, they're always going to lose on Icebox now. Which means you've, you've really, you have to win on um, Haven, which they're good at, and Split, which they're all right at. It puts way more pressure on your middle-of-the-pack um, maps. Yeah. So they, I, think, I think the time is kind of over for them to just have Ascent as their permaban. They really need to bring that up to a point where it's acceptable at least. An interesting thinking about the maps in this game. Just lost in my thoughts about it because the map pool is pretty small. I mean, it's five maps. Yeah, like that's all we're working with. But it doesn't mean that teams can specialize on all five just because there's less of them. What well, you have a set amount of time, but you dedicate that, you know, in, in proportions to specific maps that you think you're more comfortable with, yeah. right? Uh, and it's it's like. <laughs> It doesn't come down to there's less maps, so everybody should be comfortable on all maps. But it's like it is that allocation of time that each team does that means that it doesn't matter how many maps you have, you're always going to have essentially like one map that you're not comfortable with. Yeah, it really, regardless. I mean, when you hit that five mark, it's, you know, they could have eight maps in the pool and you might get then get to the point where there's two maps that teams aren't comfortable with. But yeah. generally speaking, the, the depth that you see, um, I, I don't think it gets lesson per se it's like being one of the major criticisms early on and i'm glad we have five maps 
Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting to think about. Yeah, yeah. It's it's now got to a point actually where teams are starting to develop a real identity. Now that Icebox isn't just a throwaway anymore, mm-hmm. there are teams that have really specialized on it. You're starting to see the the strategy of having a five map pool of you know having to force people to play on Icebox and take the the win there and exploiting their map pool weaknesses. It was never really that big of a thing when there was only four maps because you had to like repeat them or ban one or it was just nonsense, the formats that we had previously. And that didn't really change in First Strike because Icebox was so new that it was just RNG. Like the, the all teams were just, bad at it. Yeah, Who the fuck knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. But now that teams are actually starting to be good there, it's the first... 2021 has started out with the first real, like, deep strategy coming into the map pool selection, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how, as they release more maps, what Riot system is going to be for, like, maps. Much like if it's going to be, like, CS. I'm, assu- I mean, I'm assuming it will be where there's going to be rotations, but, like... Because you don't want to get into, like, an Overwatch scenario where there's just so many maps that you have to know how to play and there's no way to really ever narrow it down like for the most part like there are some methods been put in place that like it's really hard to be good at a lot of maps because you just have to play so many so i'm wondering what they're going to do with that as they add more i think you just i think seven is the number you get it to seven good maps and you're good yeah that's that's really all you need yeah um you're in a good position one ban each best of five Yeah. yeah i do uh, before we we go away from the this uh, Red Bull home ground, oh, we got one more team to talk about. Yeah, bit, but I, I yeah, go say, ahead. I mean, is it Nip? Yeah, yeah, because I is. wanted to talk about Nip. Yeah, it's yeah. Ninjas in pajamas. I, I'm I'm actually pretty excited about this NIP roster. Yeah, um, you know they've come into this tournament as a pretty fresh team, and I think they showed that they could enter that conversation where it could be six teams that could genuinely win tournaments. Yeah, I I think they have an immense amount of skill. I was excited to see JD stepping into this roster. God damn, JD, and JD was good. is a freak. JD <laughs> is really good. Holy fuck. I, I really like this NIP roster they have right now. I mean, they've gone through a million players, but I think they've actually, and listen, it hasn't all been good decisions in the no. past of who they've kept or cut, but I think they've landed on something that can work right now. They have leadership in existence, they have really solid fraggers on the team, they're pretty well rounded at this point. Um, and I think that they were uh, they were bringing some interesting ideas to the table as well. I was really enjoying watching their no duelist theory. Yeah, um, there's like two or three maps in yeah. the pool where they run no duelists. Yeah, it it, it was very interesting. I, I I enjoyed yeah, watching. They did those. it on Icebox. Yeah. Uh, they did it on Icebox, and I think it was the other one was Ascent. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah. Icebox and Ascent. Yeah, they did it on it's in it's on maps that feels like they're. I don't even, I mean, actually, no, because the Synth and Icebox really aren't that similar. So I don't know. I was about to say maybe it's a geometry thing, but I don't think it's a geometry yeah, I, thing. Yeah, they seem to, um, they, it, it feels like they want to have Kriya be more of an entry player. And he's playing Omen. He only plays Omen. I've never seen him play any other agent yeah. at all. But he's the weakest fragger on the team so it might seem weird to have him as the entry but when you can trade him out effectively and have him be your aggressive component and he's able to make space for you he doesn't need to be hitting all of his shots because you've got guys behind him like JD for example who are just bonkers in terms of their individual talent and yeah and and, uh, in this tournament as well I think you got to see how good Rhyme can be 
as well. When yes, on, when rhyme, rhyme was so when, good. When, when Rhyme is on the raise, uh, he he was. I think really he had one off. map in particular where he actually just hard popped. Yeah, it was it was Bind. Bind, he went off. Yeah. He went off what does he play Bind? He like 20... Is that where he plays Raise or is that where he plays Sover? It's Sover, isn't he it? He was playing. He was playing. No, he's playing Rhyme. He was playing Raise. I should say. Uh, Bind. He went. He went twenty four and five. He went twenty four sixty yeah. five. So I mean, like, yeah, that's he, he went really good. Crazy. He was going crazy on Raise. So. I think this team has a really good foundation, though. Um, I think, again, yeah, it's a fresh team, but I think they have good pieces to actually build from. They have a leader. They can get some structure over time as they get more actual practice time in. They have a really solid core of fraggers. I think Chihuahua's uh, really good as well. Mm. Um, very consistent. So I, I like this team. I think that they actually have a future now. I hope that they stick with this roster and give it some time because yeah. I think there's something here. NIP were a mess before. They were a revolving door of good players that could never fit together. And in some senses, not even that good players. I mean, their previous roster with, uh, with Hip and Firoth, just they didn't have the skill to be able to make up for the, um, the lack of teamwork and coordination and vision with how they wanted to play. Um, they've had some good pieces in the past. Yeah, they've had like Zipan and Yassine playing yeah. for them in the yeah. past as well. But they, they always lacked that identity i think mm. just the the addition of existence here even though i had my concerns for existence because he's only ever played smokes and that was of course going to be korea's um role because korea doesn't play anything other than omen which again is probably still going to be a, an issue for them at some point in the future but an easy solve in my opinion um but existence has gone over to the breach pretty seamlessly there was definitely some moments where he's trying to breach flash himself in rather than his team and stuff like that but the, they look like they have a solid foundation. <laughs> That's very funny with that wall. Um, yeah. Yeah, they have a good foundation. I'm excited for the future of this team, which I've really never been for a NIP no, roster before. No. I think they've just always had mega consistency issues on an individual level where, yeah, their players would just... You would have a map where you would think there was something there, and then the very next map that they're, you know, they, they just fell off a cliff. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that uh, you saw the consistency over this tournament from the individuals. Yeah, I, I'm excited about this roster. I really am. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I think give it a little time and you could, you could see a really yeah. good team. And got get Guild back in here for, to, um, well, I mean, Guild, I think, need to take safe off the Sentinel yeah. role and actually put him on some kind of thing where he can partner up with Yassine. But if, if Guild tweak their roles a little bit, they could be back into the contention of this like top six. And then you've also got FPX and Heretics who we haven't seen. I mean, you've got so many good teams in Europe right now. It's bubbling and brewing. And then While the North American teams seem, the top ones seem to be dipping a little bit as the others are coming up, I don't get that same feeling from Europe. It's like the, the teams at the top have made the necessary changes to try and stay at the top and everyone's still catching up. It's so competitive. Yeah. Yeah, and you still have New teams, new teams frenzy, being added. vitality, or yes. whatever they're going to be coming up. Yeah, they look all right as well. So. Yeah. Speaking of new teams, yeah, Alliance coming in with a little, little squad. Alliance are an organization that... Uh, listen, Brent, I'll set you up. You fucking knock it down. Fuck it down, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Alliance coming in. Uh, I know them from Dota. That's what I know them. Really big EU organization in, uh, in the Dota scene. Um, I'm not sure if they have any other teams in other games. They might have some teams in fighting games. I'm not sure. Do you guys know? No. I don't know. I think okay. I'm almost certain Alliance used to have... Let me... 
You know, I'm gonna go. About, give a little Google. Yeah. I'm gonna Google real quick because I, I there was one team in particular I always thought it was very odd that they had a team in here. So let me see if I can find this. <laughs> You're not gonna say uh, the name of the it. title. No. no, 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 no. Because I don't want to make myself look like a fool. I don't want to make myself look like a fool before I say it. <laughs> right, right. Is the, right, is the issue. Uh, and anyway, I can't find it. So go yeah, on. So <laughs> Alliance have made, uh, they, they've Soon come out, they've team. come into the scene. We knew they were coming into the scene. Banks is the GM, obviously. We know they were entering. And these are yeah. some of the early players that they brought in as well. Definitely um, taking, I suppose, some of, the, some of the pieces from some of, the, uh, some of the teams that have been in flux in EU coalescing them together yeah we now have a a, a a pretty interesting mix of players now in terms of how far this team can go i am not sure yeah um, i'm not convinced that this is going to be a great team with uh they, they've got uh creation who was an all right player for exile he looked pretty <laughs> decent feroth was pretty good cadaver is pretty unknown as well what What's so Wait, funny? What's happening? I really like this. Kurt's losing his mind at the video. I, I think. like this. Uh, what is this? What is uh, this? Just I the text is just so poorly written. You like, already know our captain, but now it is time <laughs> to introduce, introduce the rest of the team. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't know. I think that's very default, uh, isn't it? I mean, it seems okay ish. I, I mean, like, I just like the vignette a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. nice. got that I fucking mean, Instagram filler. You know? I feel like this yeah, is this like a big is... intro team. This is like an intro team for Alliance. If they, if they want to like stay in the scene, a lot of orgs do this where there's like, okay, we're going we're gonna to build a squad or we're going to pick up a squad real fast and maybe it's going to work out. Otherwise, we kind of just move on. It's like your starter car. You know, yeah. when you get your first yeah. car and you're driving, you know, that's... Yeah. But I don't necessarily know if that's the case yesterday. with the squad, but that's what it feels like to me for when I see this lineup. Yeah, some like. of these some of these players like Hype, I think was a former player for Ricks, but ended up being removed from that roster. I never really noticed him being like an incredible talent on the come up. Feroth had some decent moments with Hip 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 and then was just kind of lackluster when he was playing for NIP. Yeah. Um but he has kind of IGL'd and, and done all right in the past, I suppose. Creation probably seems like their best player, unless Cadaver is a real talent that I haven't had on my radar at all. And then who's the Lucker. final player as well? Oh, Lucker, who's been around the scene for ages, but has always been kind of an inconsistent player that was... Middling results. Almost. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's one of the guys he's in my decent, mind. but... When I was talking about Nip with the consistency, he was one of the guys for me that he would just be a beast in one game. And then the next game, he just yeah. couldn't find the same Yeah. Form. So I, I feel like that... I actually would like... I would love to see Lucker step up and really succeed on the team because I think he he has the potential there. The um, amount of times as well. The amount of times that Banks and Mitch have casted Lucker and talked about his they just couldn't resist making the joke about him his jet right clicks being unlucky. They just couldn't resist it every single time. It was just a temptation for them that was too <laughs> great. And I'm just I'm just I'm personally, I feel yeah. bad for Lucker being on this team and having to just be subjected to their continued jokes about <laughs> about how those right clicks like are unlucky, Lucker. Apple in the Garden of Eden. It is. They're just staring it at it. Yep. Easy, low-hanging apple. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, this, I, I don't know. I'm not, I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, get, I, I, I don't I, get I, it. My feelings about this team are you've, you've taken a bunch of players with no real perceivable results, but this team has the potential. It could be 
better than the sum of his parts. You know what I mean? Like, or better than the individual yeah. parts you've got involved. It could be. It's an optimistic look. It is that optimistic is because very optimistic. I, I am looking full. at this and I'm like, okay, I don't, especially with how competitive EU is, it's, it's pretty difficult to like foresee them within the next month, next two months where you want to be starting to see this team really get some results because you've got to think about the timing of this as well. Yeah. It's coming right at the start of the circuit, the point system coming into effect, which I don't know how it works. Um, but <laughs> it, it, there is a, the end goal for these teams is, you know, the Masters event to qualify yeah. for this. There um, doesn't seem to be, I mean, there doesn't seem to be any chance. The, what is the plan? Yeah, what is the, the plan? But if I, you're, I'm if not going to write them off. If you're you know? a new organization coming into the scene right now, I would be looking at, if you can't make top 10, or at least you don't look like you have a chance to, then you're just in it for the long term to try and like Babi's starter roster and you're trying to adapt as you move on. Um, and Summon FC is still available, Alliance, by the way. But, <laughs> yeah, <you know>. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, you can build your own top yeah. 15. Team. I mean, I don't, I don't know whether they'll even be top fifteen. It's, it, it's competitive out there in in Europe. So yeah, it is really super is. competitive. So yeah, really I, is. yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested somewhat to see them play, but I'm not expecting anything from them. And I'm kind of wondering what the, like, what Banks and Mitch's role is on the team and how committed they are to it. Because it seems like the classic example of people who are just interested in having a job in the scene, but they're just trying to kind of get their fingers in as many pies as possible and like. You, it's um. They're they're currently trying to do broadcasting, and that seems to be their primary goal is to make it as broadcasters within the scene. Mm -hmm. But then they're also they have what would otherwise be full time jobs for Alliance as GM and well, it says analyst, but it's like a coaching role yeah. for that team as well. Which typically I are mean, roles that take a lot of your time. Yeah, like I. I'm a broadcaster. I wouldn't be doing a broadcasting and a coaching role at once. You would, you're inevitably either going to be letting down your team or you're not going to be able to do as much broadcasting as you've previously done before. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested to see what the long-term route is. Like, do Banks and Mitch actually want to be long-term working with Alliance or is this just a backup option where they're collecting a paycheck in case the casting doesn't work out? Like, what, what, what is... What is happening here? Yeah. It's, it's extremely weird because although there has been a shift of broadcast talent turning into uh behind the scenes talent you know people like typically Henry it G is a wholesale shift yeah it's a wholesale shift you don't do it at the same time it's a wholesale job yeah because it's a full job it, exactly. it takes up all of your time so i am interested in that aspect of it because um yeah at the moment the this they're the most prevalent casters in europe there are also very few casters in europe and they just seem to be getting all the jobs kind of by default but yeah that is it, one, one of the nice things about the NA scene is, the, at, at least at the moment, though it is like the caster challenge and free labor. Uh, it has its ups and downs. It has its ups, which is that you find the Tanner Metros of the world yeah. who otherwise would have probably not been in a position to commentate these qualifiers. Or like Upmind and Sully who were like, you know, just... Uh, Nice young lads doing their thing, yeah. like People, with, a, with a load of potential yeah. coming up, and then they get a big opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not a lot of opportunities in, in you know, in, in esports generally for uh, like a sixteen-year-old commentator yeah. to cast a riot qualifier. It's it's big. It's cool as well. Yeah, and I, cool. I, you know, uh, so. 
And then underneath that surface, there's, you know, a, a thousand young used up caster husks that were all trying to make it through the challenge for, and they're just, their, their corpses are piled up there because they're like, work, work for free and you'll get it. You'll get to it. To build up the might of the empire, you know, yeah. Yeah. the might of the corporation. Just work for free for a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you realize you're working for free for the, the, entire, your career. the entire industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, it's it is interesting though at the start of any scene to kind of see how things shake out and like where where the pieces end up falling. I mean, interestingly, uh, for a bit of a tangent too, Dust recently posted on Reddit saying that him and Vince are unable to cast the Valorant challenges, uh, the the Valorant Champions Tour specifically these early challenge they were events. They've region locked the yeah, talent, right? They've That's region crazy. locked the talent. So think of all the great caster duos across all of esports basically it's very rarely yeah. two people from the same region it's usually a, a british guy and an, uh, an american guy or an australian guy and an american guy or something like that some combination of you come from different backgrounds you have slightly different accents you come together that's the mm -hmm. you know the, those are the big duos your anderson semler your um henry and sadakist your uh Mitch and Matt from the Overwatch League, you know, like a, a lot of these classic duos come from very different areas. Well, no, we're not going to do that in Valorant. They region locked the talent. They yeah. region locked the talent. Avril, yeah. Avril has to cast Oceanic Valorant. Avril. And oh, then yeah. wow. Dust has to cast North America, while Vince oh, has to cast Europe. That, Dust and Vince wild. Were good it's duos. so weird. Well, if I we like if we wanted to cast, we would only be allowed to cast North America. Wouldn't what? be allowed to be on the desk for Europe because we live in North America. Oh, it's based on your residency, I think. Oh, okay. Which hmm. it's. That's... I think the idea <laughs> of it is that they don't want. Um, Everyone let's say, trying to go to one scene. No, I think what they don't want is like. If um, let's let's use Banks and Mitch as an example, right? If Banks and Mitch were just willing to either work cheaper or work more than everybody else, and they ended up casting everything across the entirety of the scene, or in a more you know reasonable example, if the community just was in love with DDK and Sean to the point where every tournament organizer across the world wanted to use them, and then you bury all of the upcoming talent from that region because the American people are just casting everything. I think that's the thing that they're trying to solve for, but they're actually just shooting themselves in the foot even further because people like Avril, who are actually on the come up, can't cast scenes that have eyeballs on them at all. Yeah. Like, that's so silly. That is that's sort of like a, you have to do it by a case-by-case -case basis. You don't just put a blanket ban. You sort of be like, okay, yeah. we're going to work with you to like sort of make this fair without making things crazy and super inflexible yeah, yeah. But, and also what i know. fucking hate about this as well is that what you're going to lead to is that your champions event at the end of 2021 you're going to have a bunch of talent that only knows their region because they were unable to work any of the other regions and if you are locked inside your own bubble then you're only financially incentivized to pay attention to your own bubble. You might watch occasional top games from Europe if you're a North American caster, but you're not going to be following it like you're in the thick of it. Yeah. So when you get to challenges, uh, sorry, when you get to champions or masters, where it's the actual interregional events, you're not going to have experts that know all of the scenes. You're not, you're not right. setting up your talent for success in that manner. Yeah. I just don't understand the thought process behind the original decision making. Is it literally... it? 
I mean, I mean, what you said, what you said. I mean, there's I'm a multitude of reasons, but... right? You could do it from mm -hmm. like, you don't want to smother upcoming talent. You want to promote homegrown talent. You don't yeah. want one duo to take all the jobs and thus hurt the other two previous things, right? There's a whole bunch of reasons yeah. as to why. It's just more of like, there are probably more flexible solutions to solve that. Don't you need yeah. more hands-on involvement though to make those kind of overarching decisions? Like if you're leaving up to TOs to hire talent and also run events, can you, is it really fair to set those limitations then on the talent? Like, are you not, you're encouraging like a free market almost, but mm. you're limiting aspects yeah. of it. Yeah, I think it's really weird. Like, for example, you're also, if Europe has less tournaments, then Europe has less career prospects for its talent, which means that you are going to get less European talent or worse European talent because the better this, ones this happened can't in early afford Overwatch. to live there. In early Overwatch, there were no real EU tournaments or like the EU tournaments were essentially being casted by ESL and that was yeah. ESL employees. And me and you, some of our earliest events were casting in Australia or casting in America. Yeah, like because those, those are events, the only jobs that you those could are get. The only, the, those are the only events we could get. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, yeah, I mean, that is having the 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 ecosystem in NA with the tier two tournaments also has offered a, a platform for a lot of the same people absolutely. I was mentioning before. Like, I think the first time but hold you on. saw Upmind and Sully was like one of the like the thirty bomb summer cup. Yeah, it's like a three k tournament. Those, and it's like know. that's where you first see some of these guys where they yeah. get, they get a chance. The, the, they've come by. So something we got wrong earlier in, in an earlier episode was the fact that Oceanic Region is not limited to its own challenger circuit. It's t attached to NA. Yeah, which and is we, in, we I were talking about, about the team. Yeah, um, I can't remember which team Order, it was. So the I prospects of them yeah. trying to move over Excellent to North point. America. They can play in a North American tournaments. It's Oceanic and NA yeah. is together. Yeah. Ah, so okay. Avril is he locked? What? Is, well, Avril can't cast NA even though the circuits are attached. I mean, I don't like, know actually. I don't yeah. know. Maybe, maybe we're wrong about that as well. That could yeah. be possible that we're. But that, but he would be an edge way. case compared. Like specifically, we're talking more on the Europe side. This is what's sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. European. Sure. He would be an edge case because he's one of the guys that could theoretically do both. But that would even more bullshit, right? And if I was a European caster and like, well, if only I was Oceanic, right? Because then I could do two scenes. And yeah. but now I can't. I could do one scene, and it's objectively currently the worst scene for broadcast prospects yeah because there's is, just so yeah. many less events yeah and it's yeah it's it's a a strange ruling i i just wish that big companies hired people who knew about stuff about broadcasting it's it's kind of mind-blowing that big companies don't invest in talent development systems yeah like the overwatch league as well does not have a thoroughly built out talent development system. Well, that's it's that's always been I feel like broadcast and esports is always second fiddle to everything else, which is also why you see a mass exodus of broadcasters even at the top of their field moving away from broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. It's, and and it's, it's also, just a bitch to be a part of. Yeah, yeah. It's also why I mean you get this weird dynamic between people crying for more diversity in broadcasting in esports and yet people unable to name good talents that would add diversity to some broadcasts as well because there's no talent development system. It's just fucking do it yourself and hope you make it because yeah. you're yeah. lucky or financially privileged enough to be able to spend all of the time doing it. Yeah, so if you of don't course that skews towards how is white anyone's going to make it, right? How are they going to do <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah, so literally skewed towards people who have the means to do it and so like exist with no income from like yeah. an outside job, right? Which, yeah. I mean, typically it's going to be more privileged people, right? So. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, if you... I think the, a massive missing step in esports at the moment is talent people, development. Structure, yeah, it's talent development kind of structures. Stuff. It's actually if you're a yeah. caster, 
and you apply to Riot, and Riot have people who work on the talent development side and just build up their, their homegrown talent. But then you have to be incentivized to do it, right? Because it's like, well, you could do that, or you can send all the poors to fight each other in the caster challenge. And I know, yeah. The, you know, so you could do that too. That's another That's, option. It, that is a very weird way to do it. I, early on in my career with Dota, I entered, so right when I was like on the cusp of either entering into Overwatch, I was casting Overwatch and Dota at the same time. Yeah. And... With, uh, with both those scenes in Dota, there was an organization that ran like a, a thing called the Caster's Crucible. But yeah. it, was, it was games that have already been broadcast. So it wasn't live games. It wasn't like a tournament. I wasn't working for free. Although yeah. I was casting for free. I just signed up. And it was, it was honestly like a fucking, I was thrown into a pit. And like, I was getting shit lobbed at me, <laughs> honestly. Because the, the, their concept was, they, it was brutal. It was fucking brutal. You signed up and they had a in-game chat thing and you could vote whether or not they were good or not. So each caster was assigned an MMR. Based off of this, their performance, this but, sounds awful. This sounds it was, it was awful alive. It was already. a continuous string of games, and they would just they would if if the chat vote if you got below a certain amount of MMR, you get voted out, and you're thrown into a live game. <laughs> so you're thrown in. You have to just fucking start casting, and you have to be entertaining. Otherwise, the the Twitch chat just starts lobbing shit at you and gets you out. And yeah, it, it was chaos. But like, even that system is better. I think. Because they were just like well, on the hunt for prospect talent. But, but wait a second. The caster challenge from NSG is pretty much the exact same thing. Because once the when you apply for the caster challenge and you're doing these open qualifiers, it's not NSG or Raya who picks the casters that go on to the next stage. It's a public vote. Really? And this, yes. Yeah. And this public vote will also indicate who's like the least because you will have the least votes at the end of it too which is kind of soul crushing for people who are trying to come up in the scene yeah. no feedback well, no peer review nobody who actually knows what the fuck they're doing just the community which chat is like the worst the well, worst yeah. to giving feedback the, they're just yeah. like i don't like this guy's voice fuck him go to the poor house like yeah. get out of here I mean, <laughs> awful system I mean, also if you're just a guy who gets stuck with like i don't know fucking BBG versus whoever. Yeah. No it's, one's going to see you. No one's going to vote for you. No, yeah, yeah. You're not going to get voted for. But if you get, yeah, if you got like, whatever, Cloud9 Immortal, like an actual game. Would you, yeah. Is it decided by that? Like they, they get assigned games? Because I, I, no I was idea, under the impression that they were just games, following teams that they liked. I, uh, I have I, well, not a clue because they, I don't know why some of the games didn't get cast and others did. They definitely make sure that they don't overlap. But in terms of other than that, I don't know whether it's like interesting. Well, who picks which games get yeah. broadcast. But yeah, the the... At the end of the day, though, it, the you can get away with not paying casters very much when the community is satisfied with poor and inexperienced casting. Yeah. And at the moment, it's early enough in the Valorant scene that people don't really know what good casting is. Because even some yeah. of the people that are liked are objectively quite poor at the moment at casting. Like, the broadcast quality in Valorant is... The average is extraordinarily poor for the size of the eSport. It's not extraordinarily poor for the age of the eSport yeah. because it is new and you would expect it to be, uh, you know, still cutting in its teeth. Size but in it. terms of the size of it, it's really poor. And as the viewers get to kind of experience better and better broadcasting and understand, like, what they want, that's how it'll slowly kind of get developed. But until that happens, the, or, the tournament organizers can just come continue to keep prices down and keep the keep the um yeah the plebs fighting yeah i i I just think it's yeah the more we talk about this kind of system 
like the arguments for it is like, oh, you're giving opportunities for up and coming casters. But at the same time, it's like, well, no, because these people are going to be casting some games where there's going to be no eyes on. They're not receiving proper feedback. Are they yeah. actually improving? No feedback. It's like, uh, like there's I, no system you know, I, to help improve the, the, these actual talent that are coming up. No. That, that was a great point you made though earlier though as well. It, it's only a, a certain group of people that can even do that, that can afford to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Like for, I mean, you know, you're, you're in high school. Yeah, students. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's how I did it because I was a, yeah. a university student. And so I had a ton of time to be able to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it's... it's it's uh, it's extraordinarily underdeveloped that entire side of the industry, and uh, it leads to exploitation of the. It, it, you're selling people on a dream and then farming them for free labor, <laughs> and yeah. never giving them opportunities to improve because the system isn't there to actually give them proper feedback and and improve on it. Uh, so, but that's not even yeah. a Valorant unique problem, you know. That's oh, just same no, old, no, no. same that's old. Just e that's it really same is. old, same yeah. old in esports, you know. So it is. Yeah. It's yeah. the same I've stuff seen, that I've happens everywhere. Yeah. It's just more, um, you can see it emerging in Valorant more because it's a newer eSport. Yeah, of yeah. course. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get back on track, talking about these teams. Last topic, at least the second last topic before, you know, the one that everybody's waiting for. But this one is an interesting one. EG coming out with the announced roster. It's a mixed roster. Um, and yeah. I am pretty ignorant of a lot of the, the players that are going to be on this team. Um, I know some of them. But it's an interesting concept that EG are going with here, going for the mixed roster. Um, and they've just come out with their announcement as well. So. Yeah, this one's this one is weird. I mean, it's it's strange, and the reason it's strange is because they've kind of taken like the core of um, of Moon Raccoons, I suppose. I mean, I don't even really know whether you would call Alexander and Temperature the core of the team, yeah. but they've taken those two players, added them to um, Osias, and then added two women who I've not actually seen competing at the in Valorant before. Like, there, there yeah. are definitely people who are on my radar that are coming up in that sense. You know, like Katie, who's been for Linden for Cloud9 White, for example. Um, but, uh, and obviously a lot of the Cloud9 White players too. But then Potter, I've only ever seen recently doing CS analysis. And then suddenly, yeah, is well, she, yeah. a Valorant pro player. That's, <laughs> that was such, I was looking at this like, wait, wait really? Nolan Pepper. <laughs> Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, she, she, yeah. She, well, she did the analysis for uh, Flashpoint. The, yes, true. So, she did yeah. Valorant analysis um, as well. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, presumably she's been playing a lot. Yeah, uh, must have been. You know, uh, throughout the, uh, I mean, the past year, I guess. And she used to be a pro in CS as well. Yeah. Um, so she's definitely experienced. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's an interesting team, and I mean, it's it's definitely nice to see the uh, some of the Moon Raccoon guys get uh, get a good opportunity. Um, so there's always some part of me that only that team could have stayed together. <laughs> the Moon Raccoon nostalgia keeps coming back. I, I think it's yeah. a cool Sad. initiative as well because I think they came out, their CEO, I want to say, came out and was like, yeah, we just want to be like one of the first teams to try to really champion the mixed roster in terms of like mixed gender roster. You know, like yeah, sure. we'll, have men, we'll have men and women playing together on the same team. So I think it's a really cool idea, right? Because C9 White's actually... They've actually had some okay success recently as an all-women's team. I mean, they beat mm -hmm. Renegades yeah. in an United. online qualifier, and they beat E-United in, in the, the Champions. Yeah. You've yeah. got to say, though, that so, they are the exception, like, in the Valorant scene, though. It's not like... Oh, for sure. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, you can't just guaranteed replicate the success of Cloud9 White in terms of no. popularity or success. You, you, it's, 
you have to put in the work and actually scout excellent talent. And if you want to create like a, a mixed gender roster as well, the guys that you're playing with have to be really good too. And I, this team, they've got some decent talent, but I, I don't know. Yeah, I I'm, can't I'm interested see it to being as successful or as popular right? as yeah. Cloud9. I, I worry if it's... Yeah, I, I mean, for one, I think a mixed roster is great for breaking down the barriers and already the negative attitude that yeah, for sure. is pervasive in terms of esports yeah. With, yeah. with women as competitors. So, yeah, I, I absolutely applaud EG for that, but I worry that... I mean, here's the thing. People, if, you, if, if somebody has like a sexist mindset, this isn't going to stop them from it in the first place. So my, the point I was about to make was I'm worried that this would set it back almost in a way if this team doesn't perform well. But I think that's, I've immediately played devil's advocate to that, that people will just do that anyway because yeah, they're pieces I mean, of shit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, like, it's not yeah. going to move anything backwards. It's just the same people are going to be backwards as were backwards. Exactly. And also, if we yeah. want to solidify yeah. mixed rosters in the future with like men and women playing together anyways, the reality is, if you have men and women on the same team, those rosters are sometimes are going to be shit. Like, they're going to be bad. Like, yeah. it's going to happen, yeah, right? Just, it's just going to happen. What a shitty so old man team's to, getting signed exactly. in like, yeah. that should probably but no, but, sign someone instead. Oh, yeah, that's, that's unlucky. But that's just the point, right? It's like, you're going to have good rosters and bad rosters if they're mixed men and women, like, no matter what, right? Yeah, like, that's yeah. just how it's going to work. So if this roster ends up being good, great. If it ends up being bad, well, I mean, that's just, it is what it is. That just yeah. happens. The, the other thing to add on to that, too, is that if the roster ends up being bad, then if this was the norm that, you know, sometime in the future there's enough women players that they pervade the, the top end of the scene and it's just a norm to have very normal uh, mixed gender rosters, sometimes you'll end up cutting the men in order to make the roster better. Sometimes you'll end up cutting the women in order to make the roster better. Yeah. And you might end up transitioning one way or the other just depending on the, the skill and based on the, the merits of the, the players involved. So um, that's, you know the future of eg might end up going in a totally different direction just based off the the success that they have in the short term it's it's hard to tell how good this roster is going to be at all because i don't know yeah, how good just, potter and claudia are going to be yeah. like i haven't seen them play yeah there's just not a lot out there um so yeah just have to give them time i mean that's i mean what was their uh could you pull up the stats again against uh serenity kurt um because they they, uh, they took a map off them Right? No, they didn't take a map. No. Or it was O2. Okay. They had a, they had a close split. Yeah. But they did not take mm -hmm. a map. I mean, look, uh, at the end of the day, this yeah. roster is mega new because Moon Raccoons just played a tournament a couple weeks ago. So, yeah. this is a super new team. Give them some time. I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a cool initiative and it's needed for the future of esports. Yeah. And it's cool that it, Valorant is evidently the game where uh this I mean, where, where organizations are interested in pushing the barriers down in esports yeah. as well yeah so it's just it is cool and i hope that they i wish the team the best i hope they do well yeah. um but uh yeah i mean we just have to give them it's just a team you have to give them time and yeah. see, we'll see how it plays out like yeah. so, so i feel like success for them would be measured very similarly to c9 white where you want them to be punching against tier two teams like you want mm -hmm. them to be you want them to be in the pack as pretty solid tier two teams and that is that is success for at least the short term. And then you want them to build kind of from there. Yeah. And I think I think you, you could see that kind of result from that team where they're kind of punching around the bottom level of the tier two where they occasionally get upset results over like uh, Serenity or BBG or... I mean, even an upset over BBG I mean, would actually be massive. I mean, considering that they were close so. to taking a map here and they didn't really get blown out and this was their first showing ever and the team is yeah. brand new, I feel like there's still plenty of room 
potentially for this squad to grow, right? Like, I don't even think we have to yeah. limit it to that, but it, yeah. it's, you know, we're we'll just have to see. We actually just have no idea. We just have no idea because the roster is so new. Yeah. The Serenity team is good, too. Keep in mind, this is, they just, they took a map off Sentinels right after this. Yeah. This, this yeah. new Serenity team is good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. You just got to give them some time. You just got to give them some time. See how it plays out. Happy for old Nolan Pepper yeah. doing his <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I guess... I don't think it's on a topic list, but yeah, C9 White did have a... They've, they've had some good results lately. The, the yeah. BO3 win over E United. Mm -hmm. um, they Renegades have been improving. Before that. They, 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 I still think that they actually have mega potential. There's, yeah. There is some ridiculous was, yeah, talent on the team bit... and a lot, a lot of fucking drive too. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they are really dedicated. I was a little bit worried because early on in the team's inception, they were doing well against the two teams and then there was a bit of a dip in performance. Mm. Um, somewhere around... From I can't remember the exact timeline, but it's like late first strike. Yeah, essentially from when the, their inception into now, there was a dip somewhere yeah. in the middle. Um, but it seems like they are back on the, the on the yeah. way up at least as a yeah. team, and you can tell, like you said, they're driven. So it's yeah, yeah. they they have a lot to improve on as well. I was watching one of their vods, and they strategically are still lacking in a lot of areas, even though they're individually pretty good. And that, to me, just indicates potential to improve. I think if you take that team in the right direction, they are yeah. they could be really good. I mean, they're, yeah, they're good now, but, you know. Final topic. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Who, me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice weekly award. I don't even... <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this one. This is exceptionally <laughs> awkward. Oh, shit. <laughs> I don't even remember so, recording that. I, I guess I, I mean, that, was, that must have been an outtake. <laughs> I don't remember that. There it is up there. You up faked there. me out so hard with this earlier today because we were waiting. I'm like, I get here once again as a tradition. I'm here first with Kurt. No one else is here. As a tradition. As a tradition with Plot and so, and then I hear Wyatt's voice like echoing down through the house. I'm like, oh, finally, the, this, this, the slob is up, huh? This, this little guy that's so late to all the recordings. It's always quaffing his hair. But no, it was, it was the Wyatt's Weekly Award. Just be the audio playing through here. And so I got, I got totally Bumboozled. faked out earlier. I looked, yeah. I looked like a fool. Yeah, there's no audio in that one. Who are you giving it to this week then? Huh? Who am I giving it to this week? Giving it to someone who, uh, I think he deserves it. Oh. He might have deserved it for a long time, honestly. Oh. Could, have, could have won it once, maybe twice before. I'm giving it to Packington this week. Ooh. Uh, which is, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty deserved, right? Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think that's pretty deserved. Probably, not probably, has to be, at the moment, the best coach slash scout in Valorant right now. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think yeah. of... In combination with Gumba. Yeah, and yeah. Go, yeah, yeah. With Gumba, yeah. I want to, yeah. Combination with Gumba as well. But the work that they've done for Immortals since the dawn of Valorant, mm. and again, this is the third time now that they have successfully scouted for this team. It's just, it's just all wins. Yeah. I mean, they, yep. they've just done an excellent job with this team. Time and time again, they've done it again. They scouted one of the better teams with mega talent in Tier 2, Soar. They got two of the excellent players from that team, integrated them into the roster. 
they win the first qualifier. I mean, what more can you say? Yeah. They, they've scouted. And, this is, and he was doing this while splitting. Not anymore, mind you, but used to. He was splitting head coaching duties and building a roster in Overwatch at the same time while doing all this in Valorant. Yeah. He was, now he now, should be now even better. Not. Yeah, now no. he's not. <laughs> he's not having to split that time anymore. But, uh, yeah. no. but genuinely, I, I love to see thoughtful teams in early esports. It, it always drives me crazy when teams just dive in headfirst into just a pile of nonsense and then they're just trying to pick it apart for months and then they eventually just end up resetting. They have been thorough since the beginning of the game, which I feel should be the norm for, for esports and yes. new esports. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be better player scouting and better coaching from the jump. And you can see the fucking benefits. Yeah, you yeah. can see how much success that team has had in Valorant up to this point in terms of the player transactions, the, the economics of it, yeah. the, the, the parking lot full of fucking Bugattis and Ferraris. <laughs> and then also uh, now reaching this point where they have a legit great team again. And it, this team looks like, at least so far, it could have the potential to be maybe the best iteration of Immortals yet if they can, yeah. can continue what they've done in this first qualifier. Which now, is wild considering they had As Asuna and Dicey who yeah. are now on 100 Thieves. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, early on... To be fair, they the did have a head start though, one. Wyatt. Like, you want teams to be better? Sure, I agree with all that. But very few organizations had a head coach and coaching staff on lock that was, like, ready to start building rosters effectively. Like, Immortals kind of got, like... They actually just got really lucky in some respects with having these guys already under the organizational umbrella. Sure. So, yes. so other organizations should make it not lucky. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I think and, the, the key there is just look for good scouts and yeah. coaches. And it's not just it's not just orgs that can learn from this as well, though. It's other coaches around the scene too. Is that the the drive and focus to be excellent from Packington and Gumba is incredible. Like they are going to put in 110 percent all the time driven to do the best for their team and they're gonna infect their players as well with that same kind of drive and that is lacking from a lot of coaches where they just have a bit of like a, oh yeah we're, i'm just trying to put my players in the best position possible you know i'm not going to force them to play certain agents or whatever we're just gonna you know try and feel it out or whatever no get out the fucking get out the belt make them do what you want them to do yeah <laughs> and if something goes wrong you're going to sit on the bench. How did you put it, Avast? Like, you, they, you go on the bench, you remind them that they are but a speck. To yeah, it was, you remind them that they're just a cosmic speck of dust in the, in the grander universe, right? And that entropy will always win in the end, and the coach is always going to last last longer than you in that entropy, right? Like, yeah. you're always going to decay faster than a radioactive isotope as a player in this stage of the game. So, <laughs> no, it's just, that's, that's what's going to happen. I think it's important that organizations empower coaches, and I think it's really important that, especially in the young stages of a scene, that coaches have even more drive than players to learn the game. Mm -hmm. Because you have to get you have to get to a point where you you feel comfortable with the authority, and not just the authority, but the responsibility of making decisions for the for the team. So many coaches, well, that's, that's not the case. Yes, that's why I respect yeah. Sliggy as well, because he he tells his team to 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 do things. He takes authority uh, and and also accountability for those decisions but that but are made it's not in the, like some game. Uh, it's not the kind of authority that's going to make your team hate you later down the line you know what i no, mean it's, it's like it comes off the back of knowledge and research and yes and his own personal development like yeah, his, his right he's not insecure about his understanding of the game and as a result his authority doesn't come off as fake or forced 
yeah. uh, in a coaching environment. I know so many coaches where that is not the case because yeah, yeah. they lack the work the work ethic involved to yeah. to to get to that point. Yeah. And and it's it's those coaches though as well, the ones who do uh they they vocalize what they want out of the team and and they make it happen. Those are the coaches that we actually talk about that are yeah. known that that are, you know, like we know of Packington and Gumbo, we know of Saligi. These are, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there are, there are so many teams in the scene where we go like, do they have a coach? It's like, oh, they do. <laughs> okay. I mean, you would like, you just don't know. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's some but, people doing decent jobs behind the scenes that we are unaware of. But yeah. As a as a general rule, it seems like a lot of the, a lot of the organizations come from CS and have retained the CS culture of a coach just being supplemental rather than the driving force of success. And coming from Overwatch and seeing how how useful it is to have a, a staff that works as hard as the players and drives the players in the right direction, it, it's you're just almost guaranteed more success when you take that approach. You're going to have consistency and it relieves responsibility from the players to do that kind of stuff too. Um, I also have a lot of respect for people like Boaster who essentially are doing both jobs right now. Yeah. Boaster's yeah. like the coach and the IGL of the team. And he's putting in all of the incredible work behind the scenes that a coach would do. And then also coming in and, and telling his players and directing them when they're inside of the game as well. And that is, I mean, that's, that's just different. That's, <laughs> that is, no, that is just that's different. That's built differently. That, that is, is like, built differently. That is the genuine love and commitment for what you're doing yeah you if if you are not genuinely just invested and in love with what you're doing you can't do that that's not happening it is, yeah it is different yeah. no paycheck can yeah make you care like that when you're whatever he's making his pancakes and he's just grinding all day <laughs> yeah all right. that's built yeah. different i gotta put an end to this episode okay we've been going for three hours over, over three hours and ten minutes really? that, that is yeah. extraordinary oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. oh god yeah, oh and God. we're not stopping. We're keeping <laughs> it going. Next? What's next? We still haven't talked about digital. We haven't covered the Chinese scene that's been developing. So <laughs> oh. let's start it. No, I'm joking. Thanks for watching Plat Chat episode uh, 30 of Plat Chat Valorant. Leave a comment if you made it to this point saying, wow, can't believe the ending. You know, something along those lines <laughs> really make people watch all three hours of it. So we build up enough av revenue to eventually sign some NFC. Yeah, uh, that's the end that's goal, the goal, essentially. That will be the end goal. But yeah, follow the Twitter as well. As you can see, Plat Chat Podcast. You can catch up on everything that we're tweeting and we will see you shortly soon maybe in like two days time if you're watching this on the day that it's being uploaded for back chat i think that gets yep. uploaded on wednesday so yeah back chat was sliggy as i teased at the start of the episode we'll see you then